Conversation cussing and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, brr, howdy. Here we go, off and running on this, the 23rd day of December, 2022. I guess we finally caught up with the atomic clock. It is Friday on the front porch here on the Horn. It is the uh, Friday on the, the Christmas Eve Eve Friday on the front porch. And uh, merciful heavens, it's cold. Hi, I'm Robin. Merry Christmas to all. Happy holidays, happy Kwanzaa, happy Hanukkah. Um, happy Yule. Happy Solstice. And, you know, happy everything. And happiest of all, over a whole lot of the United States, it's just warm. Because, well... I feel I feel like that 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 line from the uh, disc jockey in uh, in uh, um, Groundhog Day. Rise and shine, campers! It's cold outside. Yeah, uh, it's cold inside too. Uh, we we've, we've talked about the stu- the fabulous Horn Studios at the magnificent Kincaid Mansion before. And, yeah, um, it is uh, 50 degrees here in the studio. And that's about as warm as we can get it because the studio itself is not particularly well insulated. Uh, it's uh, somewhere below zero, a couple of degrees below zero outside. And what that means is... Uh, well, I will do my bit. Oh, dear God, the water bottle made noise on the radio again. Oh, whatever. How shall we do? <sighs> that bougie, bougie water bottle. Uh, but anyway, it is uh, It's cold. It's real uncomfortable. And, uh, well, I'm looking forward to the Friday on the front porch conversation. And then the minute that the upload is done, I, by God... <laughs> We'll be we'll, we'll, we'll be out of here, 
actually what I'm going to do after it's uh, after we're done, and it's going to be a hateful, uh, a hateful enterprise to engage in. Uh, probably going to go and jump in the car and go across the river and see if I can find some more uh, propane bottles. <sighs> because uh, everybody around here, where I refill the big 20 pounders, are, well, for some reason or another, they're out. Which probably means Walmart will be out too, so that'll probably be a wasted trip, but it's not like you can call Walmart and find out. At least I haven't been that fortunate as yet. <sighs> but like I said, we'll figure out we'll figure out a way to get through this. Uh, and of course it's cold enough that well, the uh the little the little portable the heat pump slash air conditioner isn't doing much good because, well, it's it's too cold for heat pumps to work. But hey, you know, there's an upside. I'm not dosed to the eyes on uh, uh, on uh, well caffeine, so that's a good thing. I'm glad that's over with. Uh, let's see, I think I've got like three or four layers of clothing on, so I'm moving around a bit like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Um, I feel a little bit like Ralphie in the, well, <laughs> you know, never mind. So anyway, uh, every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude, and this program is no different. And so we say thank you, of course, to our... 23rd day of the month subscribers and that means we say thank you to uh, um, goodness me thank you uh, well wait a minute is this a thing yeah I fear it is um, this is kind of a, a new oh no Thank you to our friends at Mellow Moonlit Meadow, uh, our one and only subscriber for the 23rd day of the month. Thank you so much, so very, very much. Um, that means the fundraising goal in our desperate attempt to catch up with, uh, well, keep up with, be able to pay the power bill um, is uh, three, uh, $315. Because we had we've had minor mir minor miracles, actually big miracles, all week long, and thank you for all of those. And if we can just do that, it will be really close to being able to pay the power bill and get that monkey off our backs and move on to the next one. Um, it, yeah. Um, sorry, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not at my very best this evening because, well, um, it's <laughs> a cold like this doesn't lead to uh, really great cognition, I guess we could say. Thinking a lot about uh, thinking a lot about being cold is uh, taking a lot, a lot of my energy. Uh, but if you pop by the Horn chat room, you'll be greeted by early arrivers, Kid Mark and Squeaky. And capably moderated by longtime inveterate indefatigable veteran chat room moderator Sparky, and capably assisted by Horn chief agronomist and mathematician Roger in Oregon, and the uh, 
merry, wacky, zany, real-time, multimedia, madcap extravaganza will be uh, merry, wacky, and zany. Uh, Program note, beginning Tuesday, uh, Tara Devlin and I will be filling in for Mike Malloy, so you'll get a double dose Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, as, uh, well, I'll be here for this program, and then Tara and I will do the Malloy program. So I hope you enjoy that as much as we will enjoy doing it. Uh, wow, is that the well drill, drilling rig, Sparky, that's in the, uh, uh, that you put, uh, no, no. That's a, uh, yeah, that, uh, get, uh, Sparky says, getting a new well drilled starting next week on Tuesday. And, of course, uh, that works out nicely because at least, well, you know, here, it is, as the old saying goes, colder than a well digger's ass. I always wanted a, a Never wanted to find out empirically the truth of that statement, but, well. Uh, we may also have some commentary this evening from the uh, feline members of the Horn Family Community Congregation who, uh, you know, are here in the fabulous Horn Studios. Um, Soxrates and Kyle are both uh, in here because it's just way too awful out there for... Uh, I feel I, I feel so I feel so bad for other animals who are being left outside by people who uh, you know it's rough. So on this uh, on this Friday before Christmas, uh, we at least have the good news that. The House and the Senate have agreed on a spending bill to keep the government funded through, you know, more than a week or a month. Or um, it's a 1.7 trillion dollar spending package, and uh, it includes 45 billion dollars more to Ukraine. It will go to uh, President Biden's um, President Biden's desk for his signature. The bill passed the House 225 to 201. Nine Republicans: John Katko of New York, Chris Jacobs of New York, Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, Brian Fitzpatrick, Fred Upton, Rodney Davis of Illinois, Jamie Herrera Butler of Washington State, and Steve Womack of Arkansas, all supported the bill. Uh, AOC voted no. Representative Rashida Tlaib voted present. <sighs> but at least the government stays funded for nine months into 2023. Uh, yeah, uh, Ron and Raleigh asked, did anyone answer my question from yesterday? Um, Volodymyr Palachuk, famous in Hollywood. Yeah, uh, Flavia got that. It was, of course, Jack Palance. Yeah. That's why I kept saying 
Pick up the gun. Pick up the gun. So President Biden said he would sign the bill as soon as it reaches his desk. And I'm, I'm sure, I'm, you know, I'm sure there's things in it that nobody likes. So there's something in it that someone doesn't like. But that's why these bills are great, big, humongous messes. Among other things, uh, Matt, it just gates worse. Well, he sat on his hands through uh, President Zelensky's speech, as we noted in yesterday's program. Uh, he and Lauren Bobblehead Boobert, Clanny Oakley, uh, both remain seated, refuse, refusing to uh, convey simple common dignity. And Adam Kinzinger it roasted them for it. Kinzinger tweeting, I couldn't imagine looking at myself in the mirror if I was Matt Gates or Lauren Boebert. Smugly sat on their hands while history was made and a real hero addressed us. Imagine caring, caring more about performance art than actual human lives. Uh, this in turn caused Matt, it just gates worse, to reply, You should run in Ukraine. Maybe you could win an election there. You never uh, well, uh, then uh, the guy who was caught funneling money in exchange for sex to an underage, uh, uh, underage young woman, well, he offered up a statement. President Zelensky should be commended for putting his country first. But American politicians who indulge his requests are unwilling to do the same for hours. He did not change my stance on suspending aid for Ukraine and investigating fraud in transfers already made. Jesus. You know, maybe someday... Maybe someday a dirtbag like, like Matt, it just gates worse, will be in a position where he needs help from someone else. Hopefully, that hope will not be there for him. And when, when he complains, they can hand him his statement there. Well, it kind of reminds me of the philosophizing of a famous, uh, famous man. You dick! Uh-huh. Exactly. Uh, meanwhile, over across the pond, I'm sure our friend Claire has seen this story, uh, there's, a, uh, there's, a, there's a Twitter hissy taking place over some vile woman in the uh, UK. Video came out of this, this, the, this gross, uh, self-hating woman who uh, stood across the street from a women's health care center. Her name is Isabel Vaughn Spruce. And she was in the uh, uh, Birmingham 
England area. Standing near the uh, BPAS Robert Clinic in Kings Norton in Birmingham. And police, you know, authorities there in the UK have created buffer zones. We used to have some of those ourselves before the all nine members of the Supreme Court of the United States struck them down. Uh, they've got buffer zones for women who are going to uh, reproductive care facilities. And so in those buffer zones, there, there can be no protests either for or against abortion. For or against. And so inside the buffer zone... Uh, yeah, what's her name? Uh, Isabel, Isabel Vaughn Spice Spruce Smythe Smith Smythe, uh, who's the director of the UK March for Life. You know, a, for, a forced birth organization. And uh, she told the cops, "Well, I was silently praying for the fetuses." And she was uh, arrested, as she should have been. An officer walks up to her in the video and says, Hi, live. Why are you standing there? That sounds Australian, doesn't it? Yeah, I'll stay away from the accents this evening. And uh, she says she's there because of the clinic. And she says she's not part of any protest, except for the fact that she was conducting her own. The cop says, are you praying? And she says, coyly, of course, I might be praying in my head. And the cop says, well, will you come down to the station to answer a couple of questions? And she said, if I've got a choice, then no. You're, and the cop says, you're under arrest for suspicion of failing to comply with public spaces protection order. And then some divine, some Reverend Calvin Robinson said, this is terrifying. What have we become under a conservative government too? <sighs> and then uh, some asshole named Sorab Amari who is a um, Catholic author and the founder of Compact Magazine, said, Oi, you got a license to pray in your head, man. There, got my accent back. Yay. Uh, another forced birther named Emily Rarick said, This is absolute madness. How can someone be arrested for praying? Oh, honey, study the Reformation. People were arrested for all kinds of stuff and got a lot more than arrested. You know, and Catholics like uh, Sorab Amari lopped the heads right off of the uh, Protestants. And Protestants lopped the heads off the Catholics. So it's really better that we just have no protest at all and people just shut their, mind their own damn business. Uh, 
And then some right-wing POS named Lauren Chen said, uh, people are literally being arrested for thought crimes in the UK. Free speech is not a Western value. It's a uniquely American one. And then uh, somebody who used to be an aide to Maggie Thatcher, that hateful old broad, said, This is appalling, disgraceful to see a woman arrested for simply praying on a British street. This should not be happening under conservative government. And action be, should be taken by the Home Secretary to ensure that scenes like this are not repeated. Well... Maybe maybe this allegedly Christian woman should read the words of her own avatar who said, if you need to pray, go into a closet, pray your little head off, and then come out and go about your business and don't be like the Pharisees who pray loudly in the streets for they have their reward. Uh, you know what? I bet that's not in the conservative Bible, is it? And then Nate Hockman over at the National Review. Remember, the National Review is the uh, original home of American racism and white supremacy. Sorry, but imagine not having a First Amendment. Right, because the First Amendment is nothing more than a life support system for the religion industry now. Thanks for confirming that, uh, Nate. The American disease spreads. Oh, well. Uh, no, she was not, Ralph. A uniquely American thing. Was she American? No, she wasn't. Odd, Lee in New York points out, that there's still a buffer zone around the Supreme Court just wondering, oh yeah, they struck they, they struck down the Massachusetts law that created the buffer zone, but they kept their own. It's like 60 feet or something ridiculous. Because, well, the Supreme Court are special. And they don't want to have their tender fifis hurt. Uh, as to Matt Gates needing help, uh, Stephen New York said, If Matt Gates needs help and I can offer food and water, I will not be like him and refuse to give food and water. I'll be sure to offer my shit and piss as his sustenance. Whoo! Somebody, oh, somebody, somebody's in a state. Not going to, not going to push back real hard on that, uh, Steve. Oh, and, uh, uh earlier... Yeah, I made a mistake last night. Uh, Dave and the Blind looked it up. John Wilkes Booth was born in Maryland, and Maryland was a border state with plenty of Confederate sympathies. Historically, here's Dave and the Blind. And, of course, he had a lot of sympathizers, but he did yell, he did yell the Virginia state motto, Six Semper Tyrannis, when he leapt to the stage. So, uh, uh, let's see. Uh, there's just so much. 
This is a fun one, in a way. A, uh, a, a, a judge down in Alabama in Blunt County, I know where that is. I've been through there. Uh, I think the county seat is Blunt Springs, B-L-O-U-N-T. Uh, circuit judge there, Stephen D. King, no, not that Stephen King, uh, has been suspended from the bench because apparently Stephen D. King decided that he was going to send anonymous letters to various uh, news outlets about uh, local uh, political types there. Um, The letters that Judge Stephen King sent questioned the fitness for office of a police officer and two county commissioners. And he sent around packages that included civil case filings and an audio recording of the conversation between the officer and Commissioner Dean Calvert, in which Calvert can be heard using a racial slur. The recording was part of a divorce case. So King wanted to make sure people knew about that, but he didn't quite have the courage of his convictions. Uh, At least not enough to put his name on them. Now, the judicial complaint said, although the conversation and comments captured in the recordings are reprehensible and offensive, Judge King's conduct of authorizing the anonymous letter compiling the pleadings constitutes impropriety or... Comp- hey, look, there there it is. We were talking about this just last night. The appearance of impropriety and is inappropriate for one that holds judicial office. And it would seem to be, it would seem to be correct. It does create the appearance of impropriety. Um... But, of course, so, too, does swanning around with a bunch of uh, hard cases and dead-enders at a Matt Schlapp and Mercedes Schlapp Christmas shindig, as Brat Kavanaugh did. But, you see, in in the state of Alabama, there is a... uh, court of the judiciary that handles ethics complaints against judges, we don't have in the United States on the federal level, we don't have anyone who investigates complaints of unethical behavior against members of the Supreme Court. So there's that. But let's not let's not camp out on the corruption uh, solely in Alabama. Let's check in in uh, Butler County, Ohio, where Roger Reynolds, who is the auditor of that county, who is of course a Republican, has been busted and convicted for felony public corruption. And according to uh, Fox 19 there in the Buckeye State, Reynolds, 53, of Liberty Township, faces 6 to 18 months in jail. The jury deliberated all day before returning not guilty verdicts on the other four charges. One count of bribery, a third-degree felony, two counts of unlawful interest in a public contract, a fourth-degree felony, one count of unlawful use of authority, a first-degree misdemeanor, and a previous charge of misdemeanor campaign finance violations is also dismissed. 
but he is looking at six to eighteen months in the stir uh, for his felony public corruption. But he's a he's a Republican so in 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 a red state, so one wonders if he'll do any time at all. Uh, the report said Reynolds was accused by the state of using his public office for personal gain for himself and his family. The charge he was convicted on relates to his proposal for Lakota local schools. And he's, he's, he's kind of walking in the footsteps of his glorious leader. He wanted to use public money for the schools to build a golf academy on private property at what, something called Four Bridges Golf Course, you know, where he, Roger Reynolds, lives and holds a membership. So what it turned out was uh, three developers testified against him. The former treasurer of Lakota Local Schools testified against him. But here's the here's the punchline. The local Republican Party endorsed him for another term, even though he was under indictment. He was unopposed by any other Republicans in the primary and got reelected by a two to one margin in his maggoty uh, uh, district outside Cincinnati. Uh, if he steps down, the Butler County Republican Party will have to find a replacement, maybe somebody who can uh, pick up the you know pick up the torch and see see if they can't ex extend the graft and corruption there in Ohio. Note coming in from Matt in San Francisco, subject line Supremes. A couple of months back, they even had a new fence around the court. I couldn't spit that far, so I just took a picture. <sighs> yeah, they, uh, they are special snowflakes. Uh, sorry, uh, Scott in San Diego is telling me he's having a hard time clicking into the uh, front porch group. I don't know if that's a technical thing, or maybe something going on with your device, or maybe, maybe, maybe you know, it may be there, maybe the Wi-Fi there at the facility if you're on their Wi-Fi. I don't know. Uh. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you're pondering the deep questions of our lives, Darlene. Darlene in Connecticut says, "Can a street be British, like?" I'm kissing Valentino by a crystal blue Italian stream. Can a stream be Italian per the Bangles in their 80s song Manic Monday? These are the deep questions I ponder daily. Well, we all need a hobby, Darlene. <laughs> crystal blue Italian, and, and the way they sing a crystal blue Italian stream. Stretching out the second syllable. Didn't Prince write that lyric? Something makes me think Prince wrote that one. Same with uh, Nothing Compares to You. 
that Sinead O'Connor became famous for. And meanwhile, a note from Elbert in Rhode Island. There's a weather station on top of Mount Washington, New Hampshire, 6,288 feet above sea level. I've bookmarked its website on my computer. It's 25.8 degrees Fahrenheit there. The wind speed is 69 miles an hour, so the wind chill tip, uh, temp is 3.1 degrees Fahrenheit. A recent wind gust reached 83 miles an hour. Wind chill temp 1.64 degrees Fahrenheit. I ain't really checking on it on days like this. I well, you know, Albert. Uh, <laughs> I wonder. I wonder what it'll be later. That, you know, the so-called bomb cyclone roared in last night, and it's it's been it's it's it really is. It's early for it to be this brutal here. And I've got uh, one friend. I found out she safely made it to Chicago. Another friend is traveling from Chicago to Pittsburgh. And I'm hoping. Uh, well, if you have to be out on the road, please be extra careful and stay safe. Black ice is no fun. We just got a dusting of snow. Not much in the way of snow at all. But Lord God, the cold. I mean, that's my hands. I'm trying to keep them, uh, keep them warm. Uh, yes, uh, Lee confirms what I had previously thought. Manic Monday was composed by Prince, signed Lee, not wearing a raspberry beret in New York City. I, and uh, thank you to Roger in Ohio. Thank you, Roger, for getting us started on fundraising this evening. That means we're down to two ninety, two hundred and ninety dollars, and we're fu- fully funded for the week. Thank you so much for your help. And the heater just—I well, I don't know why the heater just went off. I mean, it's on a thermostat, but I can't believe that it reached its target goal. Not when the not when the Seth Thomas uh, clock says that it's. Oh wait, it's up to fifty-four degrees in here. Everything's going to be just wonderful. Uh, thanks. Brother Deacon Asa says the link should be up there on the front page at headon.live. It is, and uh, Scott realized that he's a tad early jumping into the conversation. Okay, so Lee in New York is not wearing a raspberry beret, but Matt in, Matt in San Francisco wants to know, but is he driving a little red Corvette? Yee-hee, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe it's much too fast. Right. And there is something kind of bittersweet yesterday. Nancy Pelosi gave her final press briefing as Speaker of the House. Got some of the audio. Madam Speaker, thank you for your comments. Um, I just want to ask you in this time of transition, have you had any conversations with Leader McCarthy, or do you intend to? And if he prevails as Speaker, what advice would you give him? 
Well, I don't think anybody needs any advice from anybody. You've heard me say, even about our own distinguished leadership, I'm not going to be the mother-in-law comes in and say, this is the way my son likes his turkey stuffing, his scrambled eggs, or anything else. They have to have their own vitality about it all, and they do. And so as far as he is concerned, <clears throat> I, um, yes, we, we have some, we haven't had any formal conversations, but we're, we interact, and um, I'm just hoping that on January 3rd that they'll be expeditiously able uh, to elect a speaker so that we can get on uh, with the, the work. I don't know how she said that with a straight face. And, um, and uh, just so you, you know, this may interest you. What I have said to everybody is the hardest thing that I had to do, since you're asking this question, I was speaker and minority leader under President Bush, under President Obama, under what's his name? And there's just speaker under President Biden. But uh, three different roles, three different presidents, two different roles. The hardest thing that I had to do in all of the, say, let's just talk about the, the three, the hardest thing that I had to do, and I said this, in friendship and in love and all the rest of that is when we had a democratic president and we were in the majority minority and we were in the minority as minority leader to sustain a presidential veto because the republicans would roll out stuff that sounded like a chocolate sundae but it's more like doggy do but it looked good and it well in districts and people say oh this is good no it ain't good it's terrible it undermines the Affordable Care Act we have to sustain the presidential veto this is not a casual vote this is not a casual vote so I'd rather be writing the Affordable Care Act or any other massive legislation than to have to go to my members and say my friend in friendship, I really need your vote to sustain the president's veto. That was that was the hardest. Yes, Mr. Wow. Under what's his name? Well, that what? Yeah. I was speaker and minority leader under President Bush. Under President Bush. Under President Obama. Under what's his name? And just uh, just speaker under President Biden. <laughs> What's his name? <laughs> oh God, she's so good. I'm gonna miss her so much. I know. She, I know. She's not nearly ideologically pure enough. But damn, what a woman! What's his name? Ouch. It's good. I know she knows my name. She knows my name. I told her my name. I got the best name. Only the best name. She knows it. Um, sir, we, we, we know you know she knows your name. Everybody's very knowledgeable about your name, sir. Uh, here's that bottle of ketchup you asked for. Oh, and uh, now that the uh, final report is out. Turns out that uh, 
Tangerine Tiberius wanted his own Praetorian cohort. And, uh, well, on the evening of December 27th, according to the report, Nitwit Nero jumped on Twitter to say, See you in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. Don't miss it. Information to follow. And according to the uh, J6 committee, he sent that tweet out after he talked to uh, well, someone by the name of Justin Caporali, who helped produce the uh, Clavern rally at the Ellipse. Uh, that same evening, December 27th, uh, Nit- uh, Nitwit Nero sat down with a number one son, Trader Tot, and Kimberly Gargoyle. And they spoke, and she spoke with rally organizer Caroline Wren during the meal. So Kimberly Gargoyle was up to her beetling eyebrows uh, in the terrorist attack, too. Maybe she can be indicted. That would, that would be nice. Um, one of those, beginning with you know, the actual day of January 6th and going forward, um, Annette has forever stuck in her mind the visual of Kimberly Gargoyle going dancing through the party tent as uh, as whoever the DJ was, was blaring, of all things, Laura Branigan singing Gloria. Which is not the same Gloria as, you know, Jimi Hendrix and others did. So, anyway, Caroline Wren sent Kimberly Gargoyle a bunch of talking points saying that the buses of people are coming in from all over the country to support you. It's going to be huge. We're also adding in programming the night of January 5th. And then there were a number of calls with the White House staff. And then by December 29th, they had solidified an idea. And Wren wrote to Caporal and said that uh, after the speech on January 6th, maybe a call to action to march to the Capitol and make noise. So the plans for a, a march on the Capitol were launched, at least in part, from the White House. Then January 2nd, Katrina Pearson, one of the organizers of the terrorist attack, told Caroline Wren that uh, Mark Meadows, there he is again, he does get around, said that Tangerine Tiberius was going to call on everyone to march to the Capitol. Inside the White House, according to the report, the president's intent was well known. Cassidy Hutchinson, an aide to Meadows, recalled in her testimony that she overheard discussions to this effect toward the end of December or early January. One such discussion included an exchange between Meadows and Rudy Giuliani that happened on January 2nd. Hutchinson understood that President Trump wanted to have a crowd at the Capitol in connection with what was happening inside, namely the certification of the electoral count. And then the conspiracy expanded. 
There was a call with members of the Feedum Carcass. The idea of telling people to go to the Capitol was discussed as a way to encourage Congress to delay the Electoral College certification and send it back to the states. Then two days later, on January the 4th, uh, Kylie Creamer of Women for America First told Mr. Meth Pillow, Mike Lindell, POTUS is going to have us march there, the Supreme Court, the Capitol, but emphasized that the plan stays only between us. The Stop the Steal assholes knew about it, too. By January 5th, Ali Alexander sent a text to one journalist saying, Ellipse, then U.S. Capitol. Trump is supposed to order us to the Capitol at the end of his speech, but we'll see. And then, according to uh, Katrina Pearson, Trump was saying, Well, I should work with the people. She, at the time, did not take him seriously. Senior advisor Max Miller shot it down immediately because there were worries about his safety. And Katrina Pearson agreed, but Nitwit Nero was still absolutely hell-bent on doing it. And that's when he said, You know what? We'll just get 10,000 National Guardsmen to protect me and, 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 and all of my supporters from any possible threats by left-wing counter-protesters. You know, those those BLMs and those Antifas, you know, who weren't there. So then Max Miller said, nah, we don't need the National Guard for the event. According to the report, Miller testified there was no further conversation on the matter. And then Miller texted Pearson saying, just glad we killed the National Guard in a procession. That is, President Trump briefly considered having the National Guard oversee his procession to the U.S. Capitol. Wouldn't that have been a sight to behold? Or wouldn't that have been a putsch to behold? Sending federalized National Guardsmen to march on the Capitol of the United States of America? So since there were only, according to... uh, Defense Secretary Mark Esper at the time, there are only about 1,200 Guard soldiers in D.C., so he would have had to call up the Guard from maggot states. I'm sure that maybe uh, South Carolina would have been compliant. Alabama, Mississippi, Stan. Yeah. Then... You'll find this at Appendix 2 on page 742. A comment that Mark Meadows sent an email on January 5th. Mark Meadows said the D.C. National Guard would be on hand to protect pro-Trump people. We We got closer than we even... Remotely, no. And along those lines, um, this came from Vice News. Further confirmation of the testimony that we heard earlier in the year. Capital rioters were armed to the teeth and ready for war. 
Nitwit Nero being quoted. I don't fucking care they have weapons. They're not here to hurt me. As we talked about a couple of nights ago, hundreds of knives, clubs, various weapons were confiscated via the magnetometers at the ellipse. Nitwit Nero didn't want the magnetometers there. He wanted them armed to the teeth. He was planning on a full-scale full terrorist attack on the capital of the United States. It was uh, Tony Honorato, the Secret Service Deputy Chief of Staff for Ops, who uh, said that... Uh, told Nitwit Nero, there are people there that won't, don't, won't come through the magnetometer because they have weapons that they don't want confiscated by the Secret Service. And that's when Nitwit, Nitwit Nero said, I don't fucking care that they have weapons. They're not here to hurt me. They can march to the Capitol from here. He was described as effing furious, but the magnetometer stayed up. And of that list of 269 knives or blades, 18 brass knuckles, 18 tasers, 6 pieces of body armor, 3 gas masks, 30 batons or blunt instruments, and 17 miscellaneous items like scissors, needles, or screwdrivers, uh, these were confiscated from the 28,000 people who went through the magnetometers. 28,000. There's a commentary hiding in there somewhere. Namely, the fact that there were 28,000 people willing to engage in insurrection and terrorist, uh, and terrorist activity against the Constitution of the, of the United States and the government created thereby. 28,000 of them, and not even 1,000 of them have been charged. 27,000 insurrectionists will walk. And this is why I said at the very beginning of all this, two, almost two years ago now, there needed to be a special prosecutor, fully staffed, whose only job was to, protect, was to prosecute every single one of these godforsaken maggots who showed up and in any wise supported this terrorist attack on our government. On our civil society. The report contains the quote, the mob, the, the mob President Trump summoned to Washington, D.C. on January 6th was prepared to fight. There was Mark Andre Maza, drove to D.C. from Taliban, Indiana, brought a 45 caliber pistol to the insurrection. He went on to assault a police officer, but in the in in the in the fray, somehow or another, he managed to uh, lose his pistol. Speaking to investigators later, Maza uh, said that uh, he was looking for Nancy Pelosi, and uh, 
that uh, investigators would be here for a different reason, his words, if he had found her. He got 60 months for assaulting a police officer and carrying a pistol without a license. 60 months. That's just five years. Just five years for treason. The Oath Keepers, their founder, Stuart, you'll shoot your eye out, kid, Rhodes. Well, he told he he told he told his oath keepers that DC law said they couldn't have a blade longer than three inches, and said y'all keep the knives low profile, will ya? But they had weapons stored in cars, a full-on arsenal over in the vaguely general, you know, uh, Crystal City Roslyn area of Northern Virginia. The California Patriots DC Brigade went back and forth messaging uh, talking about bringing hatchets, bats, metal flashlights, maybe maybe even firearms. They said, we need to be ready and willing to fight like 1776. Another one of the groups of the uh, free percenters, the Florida Guardians of Freedom. They uh, circulated a call to action, a call to arms, responding to the call from President Donald J. Trump to assist in the security, protection, and support of the people as we all protest the fraudulent election and reestablish liberty for our nation. Sit, Liberty, sit. Uh, the, the guy who led this group of, uh, of terrorists put up a safety video on Facebook. He said that D.C. law could be gotten around and they could carry an expandable metal baton, a walking cane, and a folding knife. Now, the thing is, it almost sounds like they had advanced knowledge that Capitol Police would never fire on them. Where could they have gotten such knowledge from? Who could have provided it? The committee's report also notes that at least three people brandished AR-15s right there in D.C. in front of police officers. The radio traffic was full of, 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 of uh, remarks of officers seeing people carrying weapons. It, one, one terrorist who came, of course, from Alabama had stashed a handgun, a rifle, a shotgun, hundreds of rounds of ammo, large capacity magazines, machetes, smoke bombs, and the ingredients to make Molotov cocktails in his car, which was parked by the Capitol building. Even after the fact, this stuff is terrifying to read. They fully intended to overturn the Constitution, to overturn the government. And the best we can manage to give them is five years in prison or maybe ten tops. 
you realize, of course, that if Nitwit Nero is prosecuted, indicted, prosecuted, if he is convicted, he will still never see the inside of a jail or die there, as would be just. Uh, then uh, over at Donald.win, the maggots went so far as to talk about cutting off access to the tunnels under the Capitol. And, well, that's, I guess, where the idea for the gallows came from. Putting a gallows up, quote, so the traitors know the stakes. Another poster put up a, um, a, a, a uh, I guess, a graphic that showed how to tie a hangman's noose. Let's construct a gallows outside the Capitol building next Wednesday so the congressman watching from their office windows shit their pants. And it all, it all stemmed directly from the then sitting president of the United States of America. And here's the question. How does Jack Smith or Merrick Garland look at all of this and go, ah, you know, let's, let's give him a pass, shall we? Yeah. Catching up with some email, uh, Lee in New York said, no, no little red Corvette for me, but the minivan is in the garage. Of course, it's a minivan. And, uh, Darlene in Connecticut says, not wearing a raspberry beret while driving a little red Corvette in the purple rain. No, no, I guess not. <laughs> um, and then uh, Matt in San Francisco adds, subject line speaker, we San Franciscans love our shade. Well, it, she, has, she, has, she has learned and learned well. I was speaker or minority leader under Bush, Obama, what's his name? I don't know which I like better, what's his name or the former guy? Both pretty, stoke the stroke, Nancy, stoke the stroke. Um, to Donald T. read Nancy P., hey, stupid, I know you think you understood what she said, but what you heard is not what she meant. That from Scott in San Diego. So we have made it to the top of the hour. Um, I almost have feeling in my extremities. Every now and then I reach my hand down here to the little portable propane heater. I hope I don't melt my nails off. I don't know I'm in trouble if the, if the gel polish starts bubbling. Um, it is Friday on the front porch, and I'm eager to get to the conversation. Uh, let me send, let's see. And uh, we'll, we'll see what's going on across, the, over the river and through the 
woods to the old holler tree where we sublet that we sublet from the Keebler elves wherein we keep the extraordinary ordinary round table gather about it every Friday uh, for some reason or another this thing's There we are. I think I'm in. Uh, let's see. Let's see. All right. Hey, uh, am I am I connected? It it I, I tried to connect and then it didn't connect and then I jumped in. Am I there? You are connected. Yay! Thank you. Hey, Sparky. <laughs> what? I don't know what that was. Nor do I. Oh, yeah, okay, that's a Santa ho-ho-ho. I got it, I got it. So you're all set to have your well drilled on Tuesday, are you, Sparky? Yeah. Excellent. I get a copy of the permit in the mail, but the county promised me the other day. I had to go run around to the county the other day to get the permit. Got to go to the basement of the old courthouse, the environmental health or whatever. They pull out a plot plan, a sheet of paper. They said, okay, you got to go up to the planning department or under the other place to get built. They go up there. First, police charge me $101 for the permit, $70. And they go back downstairs to environmental health. They charged me $240. And then, I'm estimating just by the other wells they drilled that the drillers told me about, it cost me over $11,000. Holy cow! So when they drill, is it? I don't know if it's what it's like there, but is this they drill until they hit water, and then you have to pay if you want to go deeper? More than likely. I don't know. My neighbor's well that I've been running off of. Yeah. It was it was put in to a depth of 140 feet, and her pump they hung it at 100 feet because I was there watching them. So it's going to be. Over a hundred feet, and they were they charged seventy-five dollars a foot. That's pricey. Well, the other guys charge even more. Every well driller in the in the North State is busy drilling wells somewhere. Like I, I told you before, you couldn't even get a live person on the phone in most of these places. And then people all over town, when I talked about it, said, well, they've hooked up for eight months to a year. I've been out uh, water for a year and a half. 
so uh, if you if you know this, uh, have the, has the depth of the water veins changed with uh, with with ongoing drought or or drop in the water table? Yes, because we're not getting the same amount of rain we used to get every year. Right. In the snowpack. Speaking of which, I know it's the eastern half of the United States that's getting hammered right now. What's it like where you are? Give me some good news. I can't feel my feet. <laughs> well, it's, in a, it's like 55 degrees today in the mornings. Lately, it's been around 40. We had a little cold snap here a couple of days ago. It was down to 29 in the morning. And then uh, we got two foggy mornings. Yeah, I was just just before airtime. I was looking at the rain next week. You believe because the welder was telling me that I could ask Alexa, but I don't think she does ten day forecast. I get a weather report from her every morning when I get up and ask her, ask her what the temperature is and what's the weather today. Well, it is officially one below right now here in the hills and hollers. Um, the overnight low is four below. Um, we'll get up to 14 tomorrow, Twenty sunny and 22 on Christmas Day. That's so wild, though, because, you know, la Christmas Day a year ago, Annette and I were on the road home from uh, Alabama, and when we left Florence, Alabama, on Christmas morning, it was 72 degrees. Positively toasty. Well, right now, down in Florence, it's 11. And their overnight low is 2 degrees warmer, if you can even use that word, than what we have here. Their overnight low is 1 I heard about that last night from Gary in Alabama in the Discord group. Yeah, this is uh, this is nasty. And it's let's see, shit in Texas too. Uh, we don't get above freezing uh, until perhaps Thursday. The overnight low is 34. This is, and, and beyond just simply talking about the weather, this shit is dangerous. I was thinking before showtime uh, about something that happened way, way, way back when I was still doing radio in America's fifth smallest radio market, Beckley. And I had the story of a uh, gas company worker who, at the behest of the gas company, in the midst of brutal cold like this, uh, came and turned off the gas... Uh, to a household that had a newborn in it and froze the newborn to death. And I remember how furious I was. And it just, it, it, brought, it brought it all back. I mean, because, the, and no one was charged, okay? That should have been at least negligent homicide. But nope. And that's, and, you know, that's part of why I'm so, I've been so desperate to make sure that we get the power bill paid here because 
Junie doesn't qualify as a newborn anymore. She's six months old. But that's just, that, that's, it's intolerable to me. Well, I'm burning oak firewood in my fireplace. The thermostat in the living room says 80 degrees. See, you know, we talk, we talk about a lot of, uh, uh, you know, barbecue stuff during the course of the program. But one of the one of the nice things uh, I've never been a big fan of mesquite. But the one thing about mesquite is that wood burns hot, hotter than just about anything else, uh, according to what I've read. So does manzanita. I wonder. I wonder if they're kin. I don't know, but manzanita grows all over the place out here. A lot of these fires, big patches of manzanita that burn. So you've got, uh, I mean, is it a fireplace insert? Yes. House, when, you, when my parents bought this house in 1963, it had a fireplace. We had the glass doors on it and everything. Well, after my dad built the shop that's out back, man cave. Well, that was, used to be a welding shop. Right. And dad, dad was able to do it. I mean, for him, he worked professionally as a welding pile driver. But anyway, he made the fireplace insert that's in this house out there in that shop. How often do you, how often do you have to clear out the soot and so forth? I had the whole thing redone last year. Oh, so you're in you're you're in good you're in good shape. My minion, he came over and inspected. I had cleaning off my roof because I don't get up on the roof anymore. So he decides to look at the fireplace. Jim, big picture of you need you need to hire chimney sweep. I went and got a chimney sweep, and then I got the bad news. Fireplace, you need to be total top job with the mortar inside of it to get prepared because there's no uh, top cover on the, on the chimney like they put on now. All the years of the rain getting in it, they cracked all the motor, mortar in the fireplace block. They put in a big round oblong blocks that stack together they form just like uh, I don't know any kind of breaker or whatever but they're made to stack with high temperature resistant I mean, and you mop the whole thing with uh, mortar anyway he had to fix that came one time and then, he, he, then when he Show me pictures and stuff, and so, so I just went ahead and did it. So the whole thing cost me about two grand. Yeah, but that's an investment, right? Yeah, yeah, an investment that I'll never see any money out of. The house sells whenever 
I literally was housed on God. And I don't have any heirs. So I have nobody to build up. Well, you know, the bottom line is, stay, is being able to stay warm. Yeah. And that's where, <laughs> that's at the top of my thoughts right now. We've made it, by the way, here in the studio, we've made it all the way up to 54.5 degrees. That the fireplace has a blower system on it. It blows the air around the inner chamber and comes out the top of the insert. It's got steel fins on top of the firebox that transfer the heat and blow pull the air through that it goes across those fins and it blows out the front you know, heated air and then I gotta try and get it down the halls in the master bedroom more sleep now so I've got a regular freestanding fan that blows the heat comes out of that insert towards the hall and goes down the hall heats it up to like the hall is about seventy six degrees right now. That's where the furnace is that I don't use. I can get out of giving PGE a bunch of money out to break me in. Any penny that you don't give to PGE is a freaking win, isn't it? Yeah. For gas. Because my gas bill during the. Is all I got is a gas water heater. So the gas bill's real low. But as soon as I try to run that furnace, then the gas bill shoots way up. Oh, sure. Yeah, that was like uh, Matt writing in, what, earlier this week or last week, talking about his uh, his $5 PG&E bill because of solar. Yeah, well, when I was in the building department the other day, I overheard this young couple they were had some property or something and they were asking the building department what the requirements were to build a brand new house and so the California requirements and any new house built in California have to have solar if you put a mobile home or a you call it modular home no you don't have to do it but a permanent house, structure, or anything, you got to put solar on. They passed that. No, it's the future. So, it abs- it's it's absolutely the future. Yeah, it was. It, I remember when it came out, it said any house that I've built after 2020 had to have solar on the Well, uh, our buddy, uh, our buddy Tom in Sunny San Rafael said, uh, "53 degrees out on my bike ride with scattered high clouds. Been down in the mid 30s overnight. Uh, 53 would be positively tropical right now here. Enjoy the bike ride. Thanks, Tom. And uh, 54.5 degrees, Lee in New York says, "Are you doing numbers again?" Yeah, I'm 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 uh, I'm dosed I'm dosed to the eyeballs on on numbers this evening instead of caffeine, Lee. At least nobody wants you to convert to Celsius. 
Yeah, I couldn't do that. Um, Ferg and I had to make a run to the store earlier, and uh, I tried that joke out on him as we were walking out on Kroger's. I said, thank God we're not on the metric system. It would be so much colder today, like minus 20 or something. For my trouble, I got, shut up, Dad. That's not even funny. And uh, uh, non-billable Rick, subject line cold, since Monday the high here in eastern Washington has been 4 degrees, the low of 8 below, with a wind chill of 24 below and 10 inches of snow. Oof. I, I, I don't, this, feel, this feels about as cold as it's been since like the winter of 2014 here when we had the freedom disaster. God, I hope we don't have another one of those. But it's always a possibility. Well, let's uh, let's bounce around the room a little bit, see who's uh, rounding about. Hey, Robin. Uh, hey, Scott. Sorry about all the confusion. I I know what time I thought it was, but. I rushed back to the room after physical therapy, which they say I'm doing better at every day, which is a good thing. Yay. And I rushed back and said, well, let me get the phone set up so I can call in for the porch. And it's like 20 after 2 or something, my time. I, for some reason, I thought you started at, at, at 1, my time. And like an hour, I must be in the wrong time zone. I, I don't know what the deal is. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe if you were bobbing along somewhere out in the Pacific, maybe. <laughs> yeah, Guam or somewhere out there. Ultra Pacific time. Nah, if it was Guam, it'd be tomorrow. Pago, Pago yeah. yeah. Well, they always say today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. So. Uh, you know, some of it may be yeah. that phenomenon that happens when you've been in a healthcare facility for a while. You kind of lose uh, lose track yeah the other day I had no freaking idea what day it was absolutely none in the world and I haven't been watching TV since I've been here I, I usually listen to the you know CNN or MSNBC uh, audio on the phone on uh, TuneIn or whatever that thing is um I have no idea what's going on in the world, by and large. No different. And they're, Everything's fine. they're giving, me, giving me primo meds, which is nice. And maybe that's the problem. Gotta be. There was, after, after uh, the physical therapy, there was a, like a little Christmas gathering in, on the patio outside outdoors and stuff but i just wasn't up for it i last night i uh, you know that expression the he or she slept fitfully yes fitfully so that was me had, that, that, i always wondered does that mean you had fits in your sleep i uh, the, the, the non-sleep apparently was giving me fits but i don't know i i one one good thing is there's a certain amount of regimentation, you know, and the meals were at a certain time, 
everything happens at a certain time. The and Brussels sprouts are always mushy. I'm way more laid back than that, as a, as a general rule. So, well, if you're there long enough, I'd kind of like to know if that's what they do to the Brussels sprouts. What do they do to the asparagus? Well, I haven't had those yet. Haven't had those yet. I, um, I, you know, people. People complain about, you know, hospital food, and I'm not saying that it's five-star quality or anything, but, I mean, by and large, I, there's only one thing I turned my nose up to a week or so ago, and I don't even remember what that was. Rutabagas? No, I'm sure it wasn't that. Those are those things that look like uh, stalks, but they're like red. Is that right? Or no, that's like... that's rhubarb. Rhubarb. Well, what are rutabagas? Rutabagas are like gigantic, humongous, really dense, heavy turnips, and they're usually coated in wax. And you you you, you have to peel them and then cube. I love them. They're delicious. I don't believe they're ever handsome. Um, I'll, but then again, I love that. No, rutabagas have a little bit more sweetness to them. They're they have a sort of golden color, and, you know, you season them upright. You know, you can boil them, bake them, you know, what have you. It's a root vegetable, and they're really good. I haven't had any in forever. I think the first car I remember my family having when I was four or five was a rutabaga. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it, was a 50, it was a 53 rutabaga. I think it was 53. Um, anyway, I'm I'm reclining. I've got my the bed here. The feet, the head goes up or the feet go up. I've got the feet up because they want me to keep those, uh, you know, elevated because of the swelling. The uh, compression socks are working out okay. Um, so how's everybody else? I feel. Like I have, Scott, have been a stranger. I'm fucking tasty. Are you now? <laughs> uh, Scott, you're getting a question from Steve in New York. Yes, yeah, Steve in New York. I was hearing What's what up? you were saying about your uh, oh, the, the the bed, the reclining, blah 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 blah. And I was just going to say, it sounds like there needs to be a shout out to Art Linkletter. Say it again. A shout out to Art Linkletter. Art Linkletter. Oh yeah. <laughs> Rick Stack. Rick was that the Craftmatic that he used to organize? No, the Art Linkletter was that, that chair that, like. Uh, yeah, the stair chair. Stair chair. As, and as I mentioned before, it was Art Linkletter, it was Edward G. Robinson. You know, the weird thing is about him, I don't know how much you know about Linkletter. On TV, he seems so kind and genial and stuff. But I've read in various places that we, he was a quite the unpleasant fellow in real life. And, and richer than uh, Midas. Well, anybody who would lend their name to that chair, I would expect to be a really nasty, horrible person. But yes, it is true. Billable Rick has his hand up. Hey, Billable. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It, it, you, it's 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 you, man, and uh, your connection seems to be working. Well, you know why? I'm not at, I'm not at the office. I'm at home with uh, COVID. No. Yes. Yeah. 
tested myself. I had a slight fever um, uh, in the early evening last night. Came home or came back to Stars. Uh, tested myself. I was uh, I was positive. Um, this all started. We had a Christmas party like ten days ago on a couple of Mondays ago, and somebody at the party was obviously uh, positive. And uh, Star noticed symptoms uh, a day later, roughly Tuesday evening. We were all together for probably three hours in a small room. So a lot of contact with, you know, with about maybe 15, 20 people. And uh, so she got it and she started, uh, she tested positive on Thursday night, last Thursday night. I, um, I, uh, I tested negative then and I, I, I slept in the same bed, but with the window like wide open with a lot of air and not facing away from her, managed not to get it on Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, uh, tested negative on Monday morning. I thought, oh, I'm good. I'm, you know, I'm cool. Uh, and there was another woman at the office who, um, on the same day that uh, Star tested positive, uh, wasn't feeling that well. I asked her if she had tested. She hadn't, and I suspect that she just didn't want to know. And so I don't think she ever did a test. And I probably got it from her. I just came down with it like yesterday. So I'm uh, I'm here at the office, and that's actually why, or not at the office. I'm at I'm at Star's house, just trying to isolate here. I haven't done any Christmas shopping. Haven't done jack shit. My son was flying down, or was to have flown down from Seattle, um, and stay at the house in L.A. And he his his flights all got canceled. So it's. It's going to be a real shitty Christmas here, unfortunately. Sorry to, you know, be the, um, you know, you know, you know, effing ray of sunshine, but uh, I, I guess I'm stealing your thunder at least for uh, for this week, Robin. Really? I mean, you. You, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling that bad. It's like a, it's like, well, it's like a head cold for me because I've been like vaxxed four times, you know. And this is my uh, this is my second time around with uh, with COVID. Um, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I just have to get a lot of rest, take it easy. I'm trying to. Uh, I had them deliver a laptop. Actually, stars get. So I, I I take it you will not be seeing Brian for uh, Christmas. He'll be Christmasing by himself up in Seattle. Yeah, he'll be up in Seattle. Yeah, his mother's disappointed. Everybody's you know disappointed, but that's just. Uh, you know, the way it is, he'll be um, but stranded in Seattle, I guess, is the expression, right? Instead of sleepless in Seattle. So, um, yeah, just one of those things. I guess it's my turn. Maybe I wasn't careful enough, you know? Um, well, they shut down the Seattle airport because of iced runways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the, I haven't talked to Brian today, but I, the story is that he tried to drive to the airport. He had a 6 a.m. flight, supposedly. So he drove there, like, at 3 a.m., and it was, I guess, very harrowing. He's not, he, he, he grew up in LA, so he doesn't know how to drive in snow and ice. And so I think he barely made it to the airport and got there and tried to talk to a customer service representative to get a different flight or whatever. I guess nothing happened. Was three hours and then turned around and went back home, is my understanding. So, oh, what um, a, what a frustrating mess. I know, no kidding. And, well, I guess, you know, I wouldn't have been able to see him anyway because, you know, I I, I, I would have COVID and I, I'd have to quarantine through Tuesday. And right. he's going to, he would have been leaving on Monday, you know, he was going to just come for a long weekend. But, um, 
you know, we'll um, we'll manage something else, I imagine. I'll probably have to fly up there and maybe we'll go skiing, you know, in uh, Mount Rainier or whatever or nearby. And, um, you know, just see what we can make of it, you know. Yeah. But uh, it's it just it just sucks because Christmas. Or winter holidays. Yeah, you know, that's the problem with winter holidays. It's like. They have them at the precise time when people should not be gathered together in big groups. I mean, the two times in the last year that I've been in big groups, I've gotten COVID. On New Year's Day, last New Year's Eve last year, I was like one month post-booster or one week post-booster. And Star got it first, and then I got it maybe like four days later, five days later, you know. Uh, and then most recently after our office Christmas party. So it's almost like, it's almost like I just feel like, you know, in the future, you know, no more big get-togethers for, for winter, you know. Forget that, you know. Yeah, it, it, and you know, that's that's why I was asking the question the other night that I asked. Uh, even even though the Biden administration is competent as compared to what we had before, with what I think is probably coming for us, I wonder if this country is is... is even remotely intellectually and morally capable of doing what needs to be done. You mean as far as uh, as far as being able to mask up again and that kind of stuff? Yeah, even right? something as simple as a mask. Right. Right. Yeah, I think I wouldn't. Uh, I yeah. wouldn't uh, bet the rent money on it, Robin. No, I, I would, and and that's a that's a that's a grievously sad thing to to to. to believe but i'm in the same corner with you scott no the the people are like um obstinate as 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 fuck okay so there's that there's the two-year-old attitude i don't want to and you can't make me and it's just and we don't learn we don't learn from anything, even our own freaking experience. And I think this is going to be a horrendous winter, personally. Yeah. And this is the time of year when it really, which will probably start getting bad because people are irresponsible. They won't even vote on behalf of their own lives. Oh, and by and by the way, there's a new book coming out about the Biden administration. You know, we're far enough in that now we're going to get books. And you can just you can count on you know breathless reporting from the various membership of the right wing sewer. This uh, this 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 story in in the book in question. I'm trying to find the title of it now. Uh, oh, there it is. It's. Uh, it's called uh, The Fight of His Life Inside Joe Biden's White House. And it describes him getting really upset about the, the immigration crisis at the southern border. And it says that... Uh, Seriously. He got... Yeah, I know. I know, Steve. I know. The book details a staff member describing a very upset Biden, more upset than most staff had ever seen him, yelling, cursing, and using F-bombs. The book also includes the detail that Biden would apologize for using the F-bombs when female staffers were present. 
So you know, let the hand let the hand wringing and the pearl clutching begin, right, Steve? You know, Robin, this is a game that they've been playing since the '90s. Okay, what they'll do? Well, Chuck Grassley did it this time. They'll go to an op-ed, and it reaches all over. I mean, from Venezuela all over, saying the border's wide open. Well, that hits people, and that tells them, you know. The border's open. Come and get it. And this is a game they've been playing with us since the '90s, man. Well, yeah, there, there's that. But the other, the other side of it is that there is a crisis at the border, and well, there it, is. But they perpetuated. They created. Precisely, it. it is a humanitarian crisis. You know, this cold is about to get as far south as you know El Paso, and there are people who have no place to stay. They are asylum seekers. They are officially asylum seekers, and they're stuck. And meanwhile, the Supreme Court's up there saying, well, you know, we think we're going to mess with Title 42, whatever. It's like the Santa Claus thing, man. They, the, the, the Republicans, yeah, the, re the Republicans shit, manufacture the crisis, and then the Republicans yeah. piss and moan about the crisis that they've manufactured. Right. And all of this comes as President Biden goes to Mexico the 9th and 10th of January for the North American Leaders Summit. Hmm. And, and um, has been on record saying the border is not open, but that doesn't get blasted out. What gets blasted out is Chuck Grassley and his goons saying the border is now wide open. And they, they, they well, yeah, they just they, they, they describe it. Yeah, they describe it. And it sounds like that scene from World War Z, for God's sakes. Yes, you get it. You're smart. You get it. Jesus Christ, I'm so sick of this game. And, you know, the fact that there's a any kind of crisis at the border is largely a it's a it's a manufactured one. American foreign policy relative to the country south of the Rio Grande is why we have it. You know, look at look at how look at how immigration just went sky high after NAFTA. Because you've got people who have been, you know, farming the land for a thousand years and more. Two thousand, maybe ten. And suddenly they get uprooted because some you know, great big corporation of America wants to build a plant down there because the environmental regulations are lax and they can they can pay people pissant pesos on the dollar to do jobs that people in the United States would actually want a living wage for. These Republican ghouls, they are covertly encouraging these folks to come, knowing that, you know, it's going to blow up. They're ghouls, man. And they all have blood on their hands. Steve, Every one of them. One of the other problems with Mexico was that in the United States, we subsidized corn farmers. And when NAFTA came in, all of a sudden we could export corn to Mexico cheaper than those people that were farming the small family farms could make a living selling it to the corn tortilla producing factories or whatever. Exactly. And so all of a sudden they couldn't make enough money off their land to survive. They had to do something, and there wasn't anything in Mexico, so they decided to come north. 
But Roger, I, I challenge you to go back and look through history. Whenever there's a Democratic president, within two years they start screaming this border crisis, and they scream it loud enough that it's heard through many continents. And these folks hear this and they take it to heart and they think, well, it's open season. We want to get the hell out of this third world country that we helped destroy, i.e. Venezuela and Nicaragua, et cetera, fill in the blank here. And they all start heading towards the border because the Republicans are dog whistling and telling them that it's wide open. Well, I'm not denying that at all. I'm just saying there was this other one about no, I know, the, I know the small not. family farm all of it's, a sudden couldn't make it because of the cheap corn. And you're spot on, too. I mean, it all goes hand in glove. Yeah, it, it's a combination of being fucked over by Republicans. Oh, sure, sure. And then they try to um, paint it as, you know, we, we're just letting all these um, illegals in for the fentanyl and for the, the vote. We want their vote. So much bullshit. And they're all ghouls because innocent people, good people, that want nothing more than a better lives for themselves are going to die. They're going to get hurt. And, and it happened. was Ronnie Reagan that uh, brought a whole lot of people in and legalized them all. If you get down well, to it. And we destabilized their government. Oh, Ronnie Reagan did. And it's been chaotic ever since. Yeah. Salvador and death squads, anybody? Bishop Romero? Hey. Thank you, Robin. Thank you. You cannot blame these folks. And we need we need the work right now. Let them in. Let them in. Steve, it's always you, been it's never been an illegal immigration problem. It's always been an illegal employer problem. Precisely. That's precisely, Christopher. An illegal employer problem. We have a flashing, as far as since I was a little boy, we've had nothing but a huge 2,000-mile-long flashing neon uh, help wanted sign at the border. But do you, you get my point, Christopher? Yes. you think Florida's going to recover from those two hurricanes without uh, immigrant labor? Well, we can't even pick enough cabbage without immigrant labor. We need these folks. Or tomatoes or almonds or anything. Plane crashed at Los Gatos, and the radio said they were just deportees. You know, this is nothing new. It's nothing new at all. Nothing new. But it's the same old, it, it's like the you same said, old it's story, like, man. Just like the calendar turning uh, Republicans after the, you know, when the election swings back around. Bruga Bruga caravans, Bruga Bruga MS-13, Vietnam, blah, 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 and they win elections. Well, yeah, because they got these people them. that are not used in. They, they're not, they don't know. Because you, you can turn on Washington Journal any day and you can hear them. The border, the border, Another. the border, the border, the border. It's not just the border, though. Another aspect of it is... There's a certain strata of American society and different societies around the world where they look upon another strata, where there are more of them, as just totally expendable, just like peons or, or pawns on a, on a chessboard. And they, they don't care about 
you know, it's like the I've Got Mind Club and screw all the rest of you all. And it's been like that for ages. But back in the 40s, I think California was dealing with what to do with, with migrant workers. Now, how long ago was that? That's 70-some years ago. Well, and it's, one of the you know, things about they, the migrant, well, migrant workers were, back in those days is they'd come over, they'd pick the crops, and then they'd go home. Well, back then, there might have been something more to go back to when you consider the uh, conditions in a lot of these uh, Mexican and Central American places. They, you know, anything would be a step up, you know? And Scott, it's, it's, Scott, I challenge anybody to fact check me on this. You go and you look anytime there's a Democratic president, president president check and see what happens within two years the republicans are they always blow their dog whistle saying the borders are open the borders are open my god the borders are open and it resonates these yeah. folks hear this all the way from Cuba to venezuela and they come because they want to better themselves and this has been going on since the 90s i, I challenge anybody that can hear me my voice check me on this please well, what I was going to say, you know, uh, one of the things that Roger said kind of triggered it for me. If we were seriously concerned about looking at and dealing with and resolving the problem once and for all as best we were able to do, we would have done it by now. But that, when you, you know, when you're dealing with a certain strata who has below it, many steps below it, a larger strata, that they view as expendable and somehow less than human, you're not going to get any meaningful change occurring. Well, it's kind of like one of those laws that the late great Bartkop promulgated when he said, when, uh, when a wealthy person makes a mistake and it makes the wealthy person a lot of money, look for that wealthy person to, keep, to make that mistake over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Debt, you know, Milton Friedman at the at the University of Chicago said, you know, a desperate worker makes for a happy capitalist. I'm paraphrasing. You yeah, want? Yeah, but I remember Robin, that. I remember that. Greenspan uh, say, um, there's a certain requirement in our economy to have a certain amount of desperation for the worker. I think Greenspan said something to that effect. Well, when or, uh, economic anxiety attitude, or something like that. Yeah, yeah economic anxiety. When those attitudes are built into the fabric of, of the way things are done, it's no wonder uh, nothing ever gets better. Yeah, for sure. Same reason why unions raise their own boats. Exactly. Sure. Yes, Mark. And you know, you you talk about you know the 1940s in California. You know, you're talking you're talking about uh, the the era of the rise of Cesar Chavez and giving migrant Cesar workers Chavez something resembling a a, a a a voice. Cesar Chavez was the 60s. Yeah, I know, but I said the circumstances. The 40s gave rise to Cesar Chavez. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm getting some uh, mail in, just sort of a, a, a weather check in. Uh, Gary says uh, it's supposed to get above zero here in Illinois tomorrow. Yay! 
And, uh, I'm glad I'm not there anymore. Yeah, Don in West Tennistan says, it's six degrees here. I know where Don is. But I can't stop thinking about our brethren in Ukraine. Our experience is a farce comparatively. I can only imagine what they're experiencing just to catch just a wisp of some kind of warmth. Yeah, it, 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 every, every, you know, everything is happening in Ukraine, up, including, but not limited to, the attacks on the civilian infrastructure is nothing short of a crime against humanity. And Putin should be in the dock for it. And I don't feel at all hypocritical about this because, 20, well, okay, yeah, 20, nearly 20 years ago, I was saying that George W. Bush and Dick uh, Cheney, before he dicks you, should and, and the rest of that filthy crew, that they should have been in the dock in The Hague. So I'm on solid ground as far as that's concerned. I mean, I'm sorry there are some people on our, you know, on the way out there, our side of the political aisle, who think that Pooty is their, you know, Daddy Pooty, Daddy Vladdy. He's a monster. He's a he's a, he's a maniac. And he's a religious fanatic, Robin. No, I, I don't think he's religious at all. I mean, he's a well, he, maybe he's just he's he's an, he's an he's an he's an old school he's an old school KGB spook. He's atheist as fuck, I'm sure, but he understood yeah. that he had to play footsie with the Russian Orthodox Church in order to consolidate power. It's would you say would you say his hatred for the LGBTQ plus community is real? Yes or no? Yes. Well, okay, that is. But it's not rooted in, in his religious beliefs, you don't think? No, no. I, the, the, look, the so, Soviet the Soviet so-called communism uh, preached the gender equality between men and women, but there was there was there was no room for uh, no, no. There there was no room for anything but heteronormative sexuality, and certainly no room for gender exploration. So his speech about that horse shit with the prince that was, um, uh, it was baptized in the in the Kiev. What's the river that runs through Kiev? Um, Nine hundred thirty some shit. It, that was just again a dog whistle to the Orthodox. Yeah. Russian, uh, or Russian. Yeah, I mean he they they re, they rec- they're in a symbiotic relationship. They're in the same relationship as the. Uh, I don't know the the uh, crazy fuckers here. Yeah. <laughs> well, the there there's the uh, there's the shark and there's the remora that rides on its back. Yeah. And they both they both manage to exist, but because of and for the sake of each other. Oh, and by the way, Lady B tells me it's nine degrees in Colorado Springs. Holy shit, Lady B! It is. Yeah, it's offensive to even use the word warmer in this context. But you are 10 degrees warmer in Colorado Springs than I am sitting here in the hills and hollers of almost level west by cold Manchinia. That's a hell of a note. 17 degrees in the North Georgia mountains, Robin, with 40 uh, miles per hour, per hour wind gusts. Jesus, Steve. There, there, with all of this going on weather-wise, dare I even utter the current temperature where I am? No, oh, we are. Uh, no, you can. No. Yeah, you can. It's okay. I, I buddy, me and Roger, it's going to be 67 by Tuesday. I mean, 
and of course, some goon called Washington Journal today. Oh, uh, no. Yesterday and said, oh, global warming, it's just way below zero down there in the south. And some lady called behind him and said, look, I wanted to explain to you, it's not global warming, it's extreme weather events, and that's what we're having. You know? Which are predicted, which are predicted under the climate change models. Exactly. But you know, like the guy that took the snowball out on the Senate floor. No, yeah, Jim Pissquick Inhofe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, me and Roger are experiencing a balmy 28. Oh, I'm jealous. Well, I'm a little warmer than that here. Even in Baltimore standards, Chris, goddamn, it's cold. <laughs> I mean, it's I'm cold for Oregon. It's what is it by Oh, the icicles hanging off. 15 degrees. The icicles 40, hanging off my porch. Yeah. Oh, water dripping off of them. Oh, well, the, the headline yeah. I saw on the on the website for the paper today was bomb cyclone. Now, what yeah. the hell is that? Yeah, that, that's just that. Look, nerdy meteorologists like to come up with things that they can make headlines out of, and the and the click and the click and the people who promulgate clickbait are like a bomb cyclone. Really, bomb cyclone? It's right up there with blood moon. Okay, please. The, the polar vortex had a baby. That's what it is, Scott. <laughs> and they named it Rock and Roll. <laughs> Jesus. It, it, but, I mean, it, it's the it's the jet stream dropping extremely south. Well, the, the, the other night on the news, last night, I guess it was, I did I did hear the news anyway. Down on, in, uh, in El Paso, uh, they were giving out soup to people. And the guy sat down his little cauldron of soup, and then when he picked it up, it had frozen. So it must be awfully cold. Yeah, I wonder, it makes me wonder if Rafaelito Eduardo Cruz, the anointed booger-eating future king of America, is in Cancun yet. <laughs> He's got to be. Well, he usually goes about this time of year, doesn't he, when it's time to figure out the budget or the, the uh, keep the, the government <laughs> from the defaulting. When the power goes out in the entire state of Texas. But only one, his daughter wants to go, and I think she's. Uh, oh, they, they've got. To go anywhere with him anymore? Yeah, they've got. I'm sure they've got. Her, the, they've got their daughter locked down so far in some sort of godforsaken convert, conversion therapy shithole uh, that we won't we won't hear from her until she's thirty. Assuming, of course, she makes it there, and I hope she does. My heart just breaks for that child. Um, note coming in from Jude. Be like uh, Brittany. He, well, yeah, kind of, yeah. Only uh, note coming in from Jude. A gift. What a gift! Jude says, received on this end from all of your voices on air, and especially a comforting one to me for me, Robin, is that I've met in person three voices tonight. You, Chris, and Billable. You've also met Steve. Steve from Georgia, Stan. Jude. So that's four. As far as our weather here and Brian unable to journey home, I'll call him again, inviting him to our home tomorrow on the eve. We're a small group, and we'll be bringing to the day Brennan, my grandson, who died in a hit-and-run less than a month ago. It shifted into the healing of my family. Go figure this, dear ones. Peace on earth. Peace on earth. Peace to you, dear Jude. And it's it's always worth remembering this time of year that that verse is mistranslated um, in Luke. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Ha! 
that ain't what it says. It is peace on earth to men of goodwill. Yeah. I don't want any peace on earth for Vladdy Daddy. He needs to go to The Hague. Why should a fascist piece of shit like that woman in Italy have peace on earth? Fascists don't deserve peace. No. Who needs to go to hell, not to The Hague, uh, Christopher? Oh, well played, Billable. Well, eh, on the way, yeah. He could, he could <laughs> yeah, take the Milosevic uh, route to hell. I way yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I in a cell, if I recall, didn't he? At the I Hague. He did. Yeah, he did. I don't think his trial was even completed. He died while his trial was going on, I think. Somebody could check me on that, but that's my recollection anyway. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, since we're almost two hours done with the program, we came into this with uh, 315 to raise. Not, I mean, just a, I mean, that's tiny compared to what we're usually facing. But again, desperately trying to scrounge together enough to pay the power bill come Monday, and then the water bill's breathing down my neck. Uh, but uh, we uh, thank you to Ralphs. Ralphs jumped in uh, right behind uh, uh, Roger there in Ohio, and so we're down to two hundred and sixty-five dollars. We got two hundred sixty-five dollars to absolutely be fully funded through three weeks of December 2022. And that's a very big deal. And thank you to everybody who's been such a help recently. Uh, we might we, we might actually finish 2022 fully funded. And that would be, well, more than I would dare dream of the way things have run um, over the last few months. But if we could raise 265, we'll be there. And it'll be fantastic. And then, you know, come come Monday, we'll have a uh, Boxing Day program, okay? Sorry sorry to jump in like that, but... Hey, Robin, may I say something about Jude? Yes, please. But what a wonderful and generous spirit she is. I mean, you know, with everything else seemingly going wrong between the airline, the airport getting shut down in Seattle, me coming down with COVID, wouldn't be able to see him anyway... Uh, she's opening up her home to Brian. I mean, that's just that's just so lovely. I just uh, I hope Brian is outgoing enough to take her up on the offer, you know, because he is a little bit on the shy side, as as you all have uh, found out in the past, or as I've told you in the past. But uh, but he's actually met Jude, and he's met Jude's um, nephew Bill, and uh, we played we ate pizza, played pool, you know, that kind of thing. Hey, With, Asa uh, was there too, right? But Brother Deacon as well. Yeah, and it was fun. We had, we had a I good time. I saw the pictures; they were great, Bill. Yeah, yeah. Brian, Brian had a good time. So um, I'm just so and grateful. Jude told me she had such an amazing time. Well, Jude is Jude is relentlessly positive. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's not just way, a it's not I just a Christmas spirit thing. Uh, you know, Jude is Jude is one of those people who lives at 365 days a year. Mm -hmm. Okay, you got that right. Yep. And it's listening. So Jude, please, uh, please blush as much as you possibly can. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Rick, do you, do you know, do you got that XBB variant? That thing going around is it can skate by past immunity. I mean, it can skate by vaccines, past yeah. infections. I mean, it's, it's, 
I started, Karen and I started wearing masks in today, and I hate the damn things, yeah. but I don't want to get sick, you know? You have a to. lot more masks around, yeah. for sure. You know, I, I don't know what variants I have. All I know is I tested positive for a, um, you know, the uh, the current, uh, you know, the antigen test. So I have an active infection right now. Yep. Uh, I, I think my symptoms started yesterday, so I think I have till, I think I'll be in the clear by like Tuesday night or something like that. Good. That's how I calculate it. You know, there's a progressive radio host, David Pakman. He got it, and he's fully vaxxed, probably like you are. Yeah, for, you know? I, I doubly boosted. I, I did a little cross-boosting. The the most yep. recent I got was the Moderna, well, Pfizer before then. What the was doctor, the, you're the not one that just hospital. came out with, or the BioValent? I got that one, and it doesn't matter. This XBP yeah. thing can, can get you, no matter so. But yeah, Steve, the thing that we this the, the Steve, the thing we have to re reemphasize over and over and over again is even with that variant, if you get the current booster, the bivalent booster, yeah. it will keep your ass out of the hospital, of the hospital if you get right. it. And I was going to go there, Robin, and my point was wear a mask too. What's it going to hurt, man? Yeah, it's I, not easy. I hate these dickhead masks worse than anybody, but we started wearing them again, you know. Yeah. Right, and I mean, I know I've been, I know I've been kind of running around with my hair on fire over this, but again, we are talking about in China, we're talking oh, about yeah. two hundred and thirty-three million infections and two million dead. Right. How many infections per hour? I heard some statistic that was just mind blowing. And the thing is, in the Chinese, and, and apparently. Uh, the vaccine, vaccine stupid, has reached China because even that government can't get their own citizens to take the damn ta uh, the vaccine. Well, who is his name? The guy over in China said, "Fuck it, you want to get it, get it. I'm done. I'm done playing. I'm done mm. trying." That's the that Xi Jinping. She's, yeah, Ping said, you know, if you want to get it, I'll, you know, go ahead and get it. And now it's just exploding over there, which is going to create more variants, and we're never going to be. Just get used to yeah, we're back. To, we're back to Paul from Parts here. Unknown's, you know, yeah. virus lottery. Yeah. Yeah. That's two hundred and thirty-three million virus tickets this year coming. God. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a terrible winter. I mean, unfortunately, uh, fortunately, I'm. Um, for me, it's pretty much just a like a moderate head cold. I wouldn't even say it's a severe head cold. Well, thanks to the vaccines, Rick. We yeah. give props where they're due. Otherwise, you may be in the hospital if you were one of these maggots. Well, and then there's and then there's the post-COVID business with the brain fog and all of that shit. Yeah, I mean, there's there's stuff there's stuff that rides behind it. But you know, just to turn it back, just to turn it back to China for a minute. You know, that country is so huge in terms of population. Again, two hundred and thirty-three million infections isn't even a rounding error. Right to their overall population, but. I get the idea that, that the the Chinese are kind of Malthusian about all of this. And it's like, nah, we got 1.4 billion people here. We can lose a few. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Call what, the herd, right? Yeah, what they're concerned about Jeez. is their labor supply. Because right. their economy only succeeds as long as they are uh, the, uh, the, the primary source of slave labor for the rest of the world. And that's going to spider out to us, too, the supply chain. Everybody's going to call in sick. I mean, we won't be able to get our goods. We're going to the recession. I mean, we're going to have another inflation. 
We it, have two factories. Gonna, our company has two factories in China. Yeah. We have two and and if that shit goes sideways, we had to close that plant when it when the when it first hit for like a month. You know, they have they closed they closed for Chinese New Year for two weeks anyway. Yep. But yep. they extended yep. that another yep. two weeks. And everybody's well, Bernie, like, Oh, what the hell's going on over there? Well, we found well, out. A Chris, Bernie's later. right. We need to be more self reliant. I mean yep. Yes. Uh, China China has become an unreliable supplier of goods. To the world, we have to basically. Absolutely. We can't we count our, our own stuff. We recommend our own chips. You make don't our own sound solar like you're panels. suffering. I'm glad you're okay, brother. You'll oh, be thanks. Okay. I'll, I'll be fine. I I was fine last time as well. I um, you know, I probably didn't get enough sleep leading up to this, and maybe that suppressed my immune system. But you're a bit. healthy. You exercise daily and all that crap too, and eat right, don't you? Do, but yeah, yeah. I I usually do. I you know. Yeah, I, I, I know it's. I know it may sound a little nutty, but I've referred to it a couple of times. Uh, for those who can, I really cannot recommend enough watching, especially the first couple or three episodes of the HBO miniseries Station Eleven. Oh. It's, it, you know, it's it's predicated upon a worldwide pandemic, and this one happens to be some sort of flu that's like super double plus deadly. Don't want to give anything away. But Station you get 11. Station Eleven. Uh, I'll it, watch this. Thank it's oh, Steve. It's brilliant. Uh, it's a it's, it's a little confusing, disorienting getting started. Um, but it's it's fantastic. But what it shows in those first couple of episodes is a, 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 a you know a pandemic going worldwide, and it's 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 chilling. Kind of terrifying. You think that's where we're at, or where we're going? Well, I mean, it's not—it's not as bad. That what what we're dealing with here is not as bad as the virus in Station Eleven. But the 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 the, the spread, and you know, shelves emptying, and it, and the funny thing is, this came out. Uh, I was I was just just beginning to heal from surgery, so. I spent a lot of time watching a lot of stuff in like, oh, uh, the third week of November 2021. Yeah, uh, Robin, are you what, talking about the movie? There's a bunch of podcasts that accompany it too. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just talking about the show itself. It was based on a graphic okay. novel. All right. Or based on it. based Thank on you. a novel. Thanks, ma'am. I'm always looking for something good to watch. It's in my watch list. The acting is superb. The story, for for given the given the way it begins, the story is actually an uplifting story of the ability of humans to triumph over impossible circumstances. This whole thing was uh, predicted by a book by Paul and Ann Ehrlich called End of Affluence on Epidemic Densities of Population. And we've reached it. Well, don't stop there, Roger. Keep going. Oh, the, the thesis is that with the uh, transportation 
uh, ability that we have with modern aircraft where somebody could leave Beijing, fly into London for a connecting flight, and then go to New York City and go through the airport and go to the train station and then go to somebody's house. And because our population density is so dense that a virus could be picked up by somebody and before they ever got sick, they've infected a huge amount of the world and there is no uh, immunity to the disease. And all of a sudden you have a worldwide pandemic and it's unstoppable. And that book came out in the late 60s, early 70s. So it's not like we haven't been warned about this shit. Yeah, and I'm just looking at this whole uh, COVID-19 thing as a confirmation of what was predicted in the book End of Affluence. And it is is a confirmation, I think, Roger. But it's also killing because as bad as COVID is, there is so much worse out there. Uh, oh my God! I haven't I haven't made mention Arcan of it, but jungles? yes, I haven't made and and one of the things that gets pointed out is the thawing of the permafrost. There was a story the other day about scientists reviving a fifty thousand year old virus, mm-hmm. and then another story a couple of days ago that I saw that I wanted to well, and this is the time. Uh, there is an outbreak of scarlet fever. In both the United States and in especially the UK. And we know what scarlet fever is. Yes. It's the it's 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 the one of the more it's one of the most pernicious effects of a uh, staphylococcus infection gone wild. Gone wild, yes. It's like a staph infection on steroids, yes. And it has it can have horrible consequences. And the problem is you, you've had people, you know, they, they detail the story of a kid who died, and they thought, well, you know, just... Just a one-off. Yeah. And and it turned, and they gave him basic palliative treatment, and a couple of days later, the kid was dead. Because nobody really was... Ta- we thought, oh, well, you know, we never see that anymore. Well, welcome to now, and we do, but there was a medical establishment that was not trained, not well-trained in the diagnosis of it. And so apparently it's it's having a worse time in the U.K. than it is in the U.S. because of trouble diagnosing it. Well, it's been eradicated for so long, a lot of doctors could see it and not even know what the hell it was. And that's exactly what happened to the kid who died. Oh, it's tragic. Jesus Christ, man. Hey, Roger. Yeah. That uh, book by Paul Ehrlich, and is that his wife, Ann Ehrlich, or a daughter? Yes, wife. Yeah. Was that like a follow-up book to his original in like 67, 68, The Population Bomb? Yes. Yeah. I read Population Bomb, but I haven't read the other one. What's it called again? End of affluence. Yeah, I remember seeing it, but I never, I never got around to reading it. Oh, and hey, Christopher, thank you so much for getting us down to two forty-five. Thank you so much. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely.
Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. You know, and and he was pretty much on the right track with that first book, Population Bomb. And this was back over 50 years ago, 67, 68, talking about, uh, I don't know, the carrying capacity of the Earth. You know, we probably can carry more than we currently do, but it's a matter of resources, not necessarily a matter of, of the number of people. And it's the 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 equitable distribution and availability of the resources. And, yeah, and the dist- we we produce enough food to feed everybody in the world right now. Yeah. Uh, although the carbon footprint of creating that food uh, creates a bit of a problem. But one of the major problems is that as the population is leaping up in, in leaps and bounds, we are covering over some of the most productive farmland in cities because the yep. original residences were in the best place to, to grow food. And as the population increased, the food production gets shoved off to less uh, desirable land, and the the housing covers over the most desirable agricultural land. And there's no place better example than the Santa Clara Valley of California, which was a tremendous food-producing area that needed virtually zero irrigation. And now all that fruit production has been moved over to the Central Valley, which requires irrigation. Um, and I, 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 maybe I'm just an old fart and, and I'll be dead before it really hits the fan. But the other consult cons- consolation I take out of this COVID number is that more idiots are dying of COVID than non-idiots. In other words, the people who have gotten vaccinated are keeping out of the hospital and they aren't dying. And the COVID idiots that refuse to wear masks and refuse to get vaccinated, they're the ones that are dying. So fuck them. Let them die. I think I referred to that early on in this thing as the silver lining. Yeah. And I hate to put it that way, but you know, it's like survival of the fittest or the smartest uh, in this case. If you take a map, if you take a map of what Roger just said, and you superimpose, you know, the Trumper, the Trump voters, it's nearly identical. The amount of the the, the people who are dying of COVID, and with Trump voters, it's nearly identical maps. You know, and I, along those lines, I also wondered aloud early on in this thing or a third of the way through, you know, how is this going to affect uh, the the number of, of voters, us versus them types and smart versus dumb types, you know, in future uh, election cycles? I, I don't know if there was any 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 uh, data on that this, this past election, but it could have been the difference between you know, us keeping the Senate and, well, and is doing as well. well I've got an ar- I've got an article exactly on that point right here. And th- oh, hey, go. hey, Steve, oh. thank you to you and Miss Karen and little Cletus. Thank you. We Happy are, holidays, Robin. Thank you so much. We're now down to two twenty-five, and we got about forty-five minutes to make that. Thank you. Well, I wanted to. Uh, now, uh, Annette found this and sent it along when she heard what we were talking about. Uh, it's from the uh, it's from the Atlantic. Oh, I love you guys too. 
how many Republicans died because the GOP turned against vaccines? By Yasmin Tayag. Party leaders are unquestionably complicit in the premature deaths of their own supporters. Um, Good. She notes no country has a perfect COVID vaccination rate, even this far into the pandemic, but America's record is particularly dismal. About a third of Americans, more than 100 million people, have yet to even get the very first shot. Mm-hmm. Um, the single group of adults most likely to be unvaccinated is Republicans. 37% of Republicans remain unvaccinated. Yeah, my sister. Only 9% of Democrats remained entirely unvaccinated. 14 of the 15 states with the lowest vaccination rates voted for Trump in 2020. The other of the uh, the the the, fifteenth of the fifteen states is hi Steve Georgia. (laughs) Believe it. Unvaccinated Americans are more likely to be Republican. Republicans in positions of power led the movement against COVID vaccination. Hundreds and thousands of unvaccinated Americans have died preventable deaths from the disease. And so it's hard not to reach the conclusion that the Republican Party itself is a vector of transmission for COVID. But Mike's right, they're ghouls, man. They are well, yeah, they are. Off, and it's killed off their constituents. They don't and care. Then, <laughs> then they jam through in this new budget bill that the military cannot force people to get vaccinated oh, against I COVID. I know. So here we are. We're sending troops overseas to countries that require vaccinations, yeah. and they're not vaccinated, so we can't even send some of our troops overseas because they don't meet the uh, admission, admission requirements to, to get into the goddamn country. It's going to be well, interesting to see what happens when COVID hits an atomic submarine when they just start their mission. Well, we saw it with, the, with a couple of the military ships, the aircraft carrier, right? Yeah, there was an aircraft Everybody. carrier that was out of commission for a while. Yeah, it was a ship of the damned. <laughs> well, and, and I love it when you cackle, Steve. Chris, uh, Chris will probably a, uh, just a BTZ horror movie just went through my head when you said that. Uh, Christopher will probably appreciate this. You know, I know, with the exception of uh, say Cook County or Chicago or the Philippines, generally speaking, the dead don't vote. Okay, and that's what you left out Logan County, West Virginia. Oh, Logan County. I didn't if the population of Logan County gets down to just two people, those two people will buy and sell their votes to each other. What was that place down in Texas back in 1948 when LBJ won the Senate on the basis of 13 votes? DuPage County, Duval County, somewhere down there? I don't know. I grew up in DuPage, but that was Illinois. Okay, well, I'm thinking of it. So I think it was Duval County down in D-U-V-A-L-L down in um, in Texas back in 48. But, uh, you know, they looked at the, you know, where you sign in when you vote. It was all done in the same pen and very similar handwriting styles. <laughs> you know, uh, Lennon looks no fool. Come on. 
Well, Scott, may I take this conversation in just a slightly different direction, lighten okay. it up a little bit? One other quick thing. I, yeah, I, getting back to having brought this up about a third of the way through this thing earlier when it was just getting underway, that was a consideration that I had at the time, and I'm glad someone has put in a reputable magazine, you know, something, an article to quantify it. Because I wondered, seriously, what effect... It's going to have effects in many different ways, and that would be one of them. Who's around upright and above ground to vote? Well, and exa exactly that, and we will go to the in, the in the more fun direction, Steve, but that plays right into this article from The Atlantic. So some Yale researchers looked at data from Florida and Ohio before and after vaccines were available. Mm -hmm. Okay, before the vaccines were available, there was a 1.6 percentage point difference in the excess death rate between Republicans and Democrats. Republicans were 1.6% more likely to die than Democrats in Florida and Ohio. After the vaccines come out, holy crap, suddenly the excess death rate jumps to 10.4 percentage points. Again, Republicans being the more... Uh, having the greater excess deaths than Democrats. And uh, 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 one of the researchers said, when we compare individuals who are of the same age, who live in the same county in the same month of the pandemic, there are differences correlated with your political party affiliation that emerge after vaccines are available. That's a statement we can confidently make based on the study, and we couldn't before. It is deadly to be a Republican. It, it, you know, long before COVID, holy cow, way before COVID, Malloy was saying it, I was saying it, the Republican Party is a death cult. They're ghouls. Well, even their own supporters, they consider them expendable and, and interchangeable and ignorable. Call the herd, baby. Call the herd. What do you think, Steve? Even if it's their own herd. What, what political party are you a member of? <laughs> but let, let me throw out there where, where I wanted to go real quick, yeah, and then I'm we sorry. can bounce back go to ahead. this. No, go it's, ahead, it's all good. Wednesday was a very bad day for the orange maggot. Can you imagine? Get inside his head, and that's a scary place. You don't want to go there. I don't either. But his taxes came out, something he fought for three and a half years, Okay. You know there has to be ketchup stains all over Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> it's nothing but ketchup. Do, all you had to do was hold it after two more weeks, man. That's after wrong. three and That's a half wrong. years. Yeah, now they're out. And I couldn't help but just laugh. Despite the fact I had to text Robin and say, my God, do you... Did you? You poor got little that, Baron. Robin. Poor little Baron's riding around on his big wheel bike. Red Rum, Red Rum. <laughs> oh, I love that image. <laughs> Red rum, red rum, red rum. Yeah, on, his, on his big rum. Robert, you got that text I sent you, didn't you? I just, in my own head, I was just imagining how frustrated I said he's got to be the most pissed off person in America right now. Oh yeah, and I, and the thing is, the the walls are covered in ketchup, but it's like that. It's like that 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 prehistoric cave in Altamira in Spain. 
It's not just that the walls are covered in ketchup. There are handprints in the ketchup on the walls. Yeah, there you go. You know, little little finger drawings of buffaloes or finger drawings of of, of you know stick finger stick figures of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden. Well, the Ways and Means Committee, it came down to a party line vote. Two more weeks, he'd have had to vote. It would have never came out. You know, he's got to be just chewing nails in there. Okay, so so okay, so we drill down from that, Steve. What does that say about the Supreme Court's determination to make sure these rulings came out in a <clears throat> timely fashion? Timely? <laughs> I don't know, man. Where's the inference? Where are you taking me with this? Well. But there were apparently enough there that were like, no, let's get rid of this case. No more here in this case. This case has got to go. We got to get this case out the door. Yeah. Send the taxes to, w- because they 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 <laughs> send the data to Ways and Means. <laughs> Yesterday, <laughs> and there was no audit. I can't show you my taxes because we're being audited. There's no audit. Yeah, it's like all of a sudden. I mean. What did we used to say about Her- Herbert Kane? Uh, you know, one day you're whooping it up on the platform with the president and all that stuff, and the next month you're all pushing up daisies. Life. You know, and so Trump actually is slated, and he seems to be well on his way to being like bad news schlep rock. You know, with the black cloud over his head. <laughs> the dude from the Flintstones, the cloud followed him around. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't remember his name. Well, but, it's uh, like- Dancing, you know, he's doing that little dancing thing he does with his does with his hands, yeah, and dancing. Yeah. He hasn't mentioned those, those taxes, has he? I haven't heard anything, and I'm looking daily just to see how he's going to try to respond to this. Oh no, he said uh, the Supreme Court has lost all their honor, all their honor. They released my taxes. Believe me, they've lost their honor. Donald, uh, you may kiss <laughs> it, and I'll let you pick which cheek. And, well, and then there was the the Republican bullshit that came out and said, "Well, if they release Trump's taxes as Supreme Court, they could have their taxes released next." Well, that sounds like a good idea to me. Who the hell paid off? Uh, I, I, I was going exactly there, Roger. I just want to, uh, Miss Miss Mrs. Adelson, <laughs> is is that the is that the check you wrote? Yeah, the beers and the hot dogs and. The, Mortgage. And doesn't past presidents dictate that all sitting presidents have their taxes audited? Yes, they do. Yes. yes. And not only that, it is a recommendation of the, uh, I believe, the IRS, but somehow the Trump's appointed to head of the IRS didn't know about it, so he didn't initiate him. Yeah, never heard about that before. Hey, for that matter, I actually know Chuck Reddick, if you all want to know about that, the former IRS. Really? Yes, I do. I, I had cases against him when I was with the U.S. Attorney's Office. He worked at a very well-known boutique tax firm in Beverly Hills called Ackman, Falcon, and DeRoy. And um, I've lost all respect for him after I learned how he basically uh, refused to turn over the returns. Uh, to the uh, Ways and Means Committee, as is required by law with regard to presidents. There's a specific law that says that, uh, you know, as to presidents. Um, And um, there were some other things that he did that were kind of sketchy 
I, I guess he presided over, I guess the destruction of like 20 million or 30 million uh, information returns that were just shredded paper returns like W-2s, 1099s, et cetera, et cetera, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it was yeah, like a right. snowstorm in the shredding room. Well, who uh, appointed that guy? A, well, I see a pattern then. You have the guy who's put in charge of making sure the mail is delivered, and he fucks it up to a fairly well. And now you got this IRS guy who's supposed to oversee the, you know. Right, and, and, tucked away, and tucked away underneath all of this is a concept you know that's been that's been banned that's been bald and barked by Stevie Three Shirts. You know the man who looks like rancid hot dog water smells, Bannon, who has blathered for years about the deconstruction of the administrative state. Well, what a great way to deconstruct the administrative state by making it utterly non-functional. Oh, and uh, let me share a couple of emails here. And thanks to uh, uh, thanks so much. To uh, Lady B, and to uh, let's see, uh, and to Jude, and like I said, to Steve, we are, and and to an anonymous friend, we are down to uh, $170 to go to be fully funded for this week, and fully funded all the way up to this this point in uh, uh, in, in in December, and maybe be fully funded for the entire month of or the entire year of 2022 it's kind of a miracle uh jude wanted to wanted to clarify um when i when she said peace on earth I, and i said well you know it's good to remember that that verse does not say peace on earth to good goodwill toward men it says peace on earth to men of goodwill and uh jude said i stand firm on this intention as my walk has revealed that encountering the darkness in others enfolded in women standing has taught me the uh, this reality but I hear what you say. Yeah, that, I wasn't, that was actually not a commentary on what, what you were asserting, Jude. Um, that's, you know, that is the good and, and, and peace-oriented position that you occupy, and I, I appreciate it and I respect it. Um, note coming in from uh, Brendan uh, on the population discussion. It's not overpopulation that guarantees the emergence of pandemic disease. Whilst being a big part, it's actually capitalism that guarantees the continued emergence of pandemic disease. The commodification of medicine for mere profit guarantees a worsening horror. Sorry for being a Grinch. Peace, lady. Brendan. I don't think you're wrong. I, I think this is one of those moments where, both, where two things can be correct at the same time. And, and, and in an economic system that is predicated upon infinite resources on a finite planet shit's gonna get bad when you get to the end stage and well we're there uh and then uh thank you for that brendan and then this uh, let's see we're 170 to go we got a half an hour to do 170 bucks um lady b uh, noting my reference to uh the fact that I said that Bush and Cheney should be in the Hague for the Iraq uh, the Iraq War, uh, Lady B said I was just talking about that to my sister today. Want to solve the immigration problem? Send some troops down there to liberate them from their tyrannical and greedy government. Isn't that our excuse when we invade the Middle East? And it was our excuse when we invaded, uh, say, Nicaragua in uh, the the 19 teens. 
That was where Smedley Butler first landed on the notion of war is a racket. As far as Ukraine, isn't this similar, Lady B asks, to what happened to Serbia? Weren't war crimes being committed there, too? Didn't we send in troops to help them? Why not now? Well, we didn't. We didn't send... Uh, we uh, bombed the living bejesus out of yeah, Serbia. Air cover, right? Air cover, yeah. Air cover. And and we we did you know we helped out with uh, with Kosovo. Uh, we can't give good air weapons to Ukraine because Russia considers that an attack on them. But it's cool if they get weapons from Iran and North Korea. Jesus. Well, and we are giving them to them. We are training them outside of. We are training Ukrainian troops outside of Ukraine on how to operate things like a Patriot battery. We obviously can't send military advisors in to teach them in Ukraine how to do it because that would mean putting. For, formally putting American boots on the ground. I'm so fucking sick of Putin, Lady B says. I'm so fucking sick of Putin. If he were a Muslim leader, he'd be dead already. In fact, if Mexico and South America had oil, we'd have already invaded them as quick as a dog steals your sandwich. That's good, Lady B. Why don't we own Venezuela already? Why can we flex in Arab countries but not here and not for Ukraine? Our priorities are fucked up. We ban brown people from entering our country. We're allowed to arm ourselves to the teeth in bumfuck Nebraska to protect ourselves from gangs in Chicago. Yet we can't punish white guys who attempted a fucking coup. We can't win for being selfish, greedy, and racist losers. Our democracy already has one foot in the grave. Trump just gave the second leg a push. I don't know what will become of the final report. Call me an Eeyore. Thanks for noticing me. But I know how American justice works. It isn't up to me to be positive and trust the system. It's up to the system to regain my trust. Merry Christmas, y'all. Twin and I will be 54 on the 1st. And we'll look damn good doing it. Uh, P.S. Guys, remember to let Jude into our hearts. Then we can start to make things better. Better, 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 better. Ha! I don't scream like Paul McCartney does, but you get the point. Nice call, Lady B. And that's a great line. It's up to the justice system to regain our trust. And the fact of the matter is, everybody knows that the Supreme Court of the United States is a partisan ideological shithole. And it's not a partisan ideological shithole because of the, 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 three, the, the three lefties, so to speak. Not really. They're centrist as hell. It's just that the uh, other six members of the court are to the right of Genghis fucking Khan. And so, I mean, that's, 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 that's just the state of affairs as it is now. And look at that. So, for years and years, we celebrated uh, Bill, Mr. Stress Miller's birth on January 1st. Um, he was the first baby born in Cleveland, Ohio on January 1st that year just shortly after midnight and we've got we've got two more January 1st babies to celebrate Lady B and her twin that's just so awesome we we we, we just love we just love y'all to pieces thank you for that Lady B thank you so uh I'm sorry I I, I stepped on somebody let's pick this up where uh where well, we I, left I off. stepped on you I just when you mentioned um you know bring up having people come actually go into Ukraine, uh, that that has the stench of Vietnam, right? Well, it, it, any, any, American, any American adventurism overseas has the stench of Vietnam. Uh-huh. 
I don't know. I, um, yeah. It usually starts with or with uh, instructors and advisors. Yes. Advisors. And as as Robert A. Heinlein, who had a terrible, terrible right wing libertarian streak, once said, "A dead military advisor three days in the mud stinks as bad as a dead soldier." And that's a what fact. And uh, by the way, I need to uh, say thank you also. Thank you to Kevin and Tracy up in Massachusetts. Y'all stay warm, please. Uh, that got us down to uh, $130 to go to finish the week and have a fighting chance at the power bill. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you so much. All right, somebody talk. Well, and maybe I'll maybe I'll say something. I mean, all of Congress is away for the holiday, right? Yeah, I guess now. Well, they couldn't get out of there quick enough. Well, and this really kind of sucks because <clears throat> the days are dwindling of the Democratic majority, right? And I and uh, well, we're done. The, the, the House is what done. The hell, we could do. Yeah, they're done, huh? Yeah, I guess they're. I don't know what we could do. Um, Senate jam through judges day and night, man. That's what I. Yeah, so that we can that's, do that, right? Yep. 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 So Schumer should like open the doors. And other than and, that, watch the freak show of Hunter Biden. That's all we can do. Well, well Hunter Biden, um, Doctor Fauci. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, they're Hillary. going to investigate the um, January 6th committee. So yeah, the investigate the investigation. Oh yeah. But but and and here's the thing. I mean, I agree with you with what you say about uh, jamming through judges. Understand something. There is not a Republican judge in this country who is going to voluntarily resign with Biden in office. But isn't there like 80 positions available? Last I heard. Um, I, I think there. Yeah, I think there. Yeah, there are. And the Senate, and, 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 the, and that's just a matter of the Senate doing its business. Yeah, some. Uh, there was an article by Ian Milheiser over at I think maybe Vice or Vox. I can't remember which. In which he and and I read it and I went, oh, you know, I got that I got that Picard thing, you know, with my little forehead and my little hands. Dude, not this shit again. Because and and Ian Milheiser is a really smart legal writer. Okay. And he had to know that he was putting out some serious clickbait. But he put out this article saying it's time for Kagan and Sotomayor to start thinking about retirement. <laughs> what? And, and and like I said, not this shit again. But but he's he he's not he's not nuts. He was thinking about the fact that. You know, RBG, with the benefit of 2020 hindsight, should have stepped down when at a, at a time when theoretically Obama could have replaced her, and then we wouldn't have the handmaid. And how old are they? Uh, the Sotomayor and Kagan, they're 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 in their sixties. Okay. But the the what what Milheiser points out though, 
is that there is a future coming where, especially after the Senate elections in 2024, in which Democrats have to defend 24 seats and Republicans only have to defend 10, uh, that may make it impossible for a, a, a Democratic president to appoint a Supreme Court justice well up past 2030. And he's not entirely wrong. But shouldn't that whole discussion be coming next year or in early 2024, not now? Well, I mean, that's why, I mean, that, that's why Ian Milheiser published it now, Roger. In hopes of getting the conversation going. And it's, it's... I understand that, but they seem um, young, comparatively speaking, to our, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Well, yeah, but, but the other, but the thing is, um, the, the, the brats and the handmaids and the gorsucks are younger than them. They're younger than me, you. So what you need to do is... And, and, and frankly, you got to get out in front of it, and you got to start doing what the Republicans have started doing, and that is, uh, relatively speaking, start appointing toddlers to the Supreme Court. What's Chelsea Clinton up to these days? How old she? Did she go to law school? <laughs> I don't know. Does it doesn't matter? You don't have to, but you yeah. don't have to. No, old Chris. She, she's way past the toddler stage, you know? <laughs> you know. You know who might be hell on wheels on the Supreme Court? And uh, you're going to probably throw things at me. How old's Gavin Newsom? Uh, he's in, like, late, is he early 50s? Early 50s, I'm guessing. Aren't we thinking of him as president, though, possibly? Not, not before 2028, because he's already said that oh, he will not primary Biden. Well, that's good. He shouldn't. Nobody should. Uh, from your mouth but, to God's ears. I know. But uh, nominating Gavin Newsom would be very similar to the, the reason that uh, Earl Warren got on the court. Right. For those that don't know, I, th- I think it was Eisenhower didn't want to uh, try to have to go up against Earl Warren. What, 54? Yep. 55, somewhere in there, for the 56 election. So he put him on the Supreme Court. And, you know, he uh, he didn't come up with that by himself, Roger. Oh, I'm sure he did. Because uh, that is exactly what Abraham Lincoln did with his Secretary of the Treasury, Sam and P. Chase. Chase had started getting kind of mouthy running up to the uh, election of 1864. Roger B. Taney croaked, mercifully, good. Die, racist, die. Uh, and Lincoln said, Salmon, old boy, I think you'd just be a great Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court. What do you say? He went, I'd love it, Mr. President. And suddenly, Abraham Lincoln solved his own problem. And that's the well, same. And that's uh, the same thing that Eisenhower did, Roger. 
a little while ago, was it Stephen Georgetown that said the Democratic Senate needs to be generating judges 24-7? Yeah, jamming through judges. I've got an idea. Call Wiley Coyote and see if we could special order us one of them Acme judge generators. <laughs> With the crank on the I side don't think we I don't think we want any acne devices involved in this. We want to actually succeed, Scott. Well, uh, some of the work it's just that the Roadrunner was faster than uh, all of the uh, I don't know. I say we just order up a bunch of instant hole and start flipping flipping that shit out in front of the handmaid and and and, 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 and a, fappy and how about a pack the court machine? That'd be even better, you know. Hey, did we already play this game? Um, do we? Do we? Can we look into the crystal ball and see which committees um, the maggotiest of the maggots are going to chair? Like, uh, well, we know we know Jim Jacketoff Jordan is going to head judiciary. And Mars is going to be out on something of significance too. Mars. <laughs> and Let me jump back to the court for just a second. I had a, a thought. I ran it by Steve off the side chat the other day. Uh, a case went before the Supreme Court that made it to where unions cannot use dues money for political action. They have to set up a separate political action. Oh, right, yeah. Okay? Why is it that when Dow Chemical or Chevron or any corporation you want to mention makes political donations the stockholders are not polled, nor do the companies have to set up a side issue that doesn't take any money away from the stockholders when they make political donations. Corporations and how come too, we can't friend. get a case before the Supreme Court without going through all the bullshit uh, like this futuristic web designer who doesn't even have a company? Um, got her case before the Supreme Court without going through any of the, the pretrial shit. Well, one of the reasons, and this goes back to the Ian Milheiser article. What? That was the Beck decision way back when that caused the political action reunion. Yeah. But by way of answering Roger's question, it kind of goes back to the Milheiser article. Because one of the things that he pointed out is that going forward with the majority the way it is, getting winning liberal cases before the Supreme Court is going to get harder and harder and harder because in order to grant cert, you've got to have a majority. And you're not going to have a majority to grant cert on a case like that because, no, you, because you're, you know, up, you're, si you're six three. They won't even pick it up. Hey, Sparky. I'm just frustrated, that's all. Sparky, did you say it's the Beck decision? Yeah, memory oh. serves me right. Because I What's was a union organizer. Listen to me. I was a union organizer at one time. Yeah. And I had to learn all that shit. Was that like Dave Beck of the Teamsters? That far back? Could have been. I don't know. All I know was I had a member of our local come in one time, and he said he wanted to get his. It's called Cope in the IBEW. Yeah. Campaign for political action or some damn thing. 
we used to vote on it at union meetings once a year. And, and the guy says, I want my money back. And I pulled out my wallet and I put down $5 on the desk. And I said, there it is. There you go. <laughs> yeah. said, Don't spend wow. it all in one place, asshole. I said, we, we voted on it at union meeting that you weren't at. And every member paid paid in five bucks. That's it. Yeah, and, and those, uh, yeah, Committee on Political Education, COPE. Yeah. I couldn't remember that. Yeah, Boss Man Wayne taught me a lot about that stuff. Yeah, well, he knows about it. Yeah, he's, 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 run, he's run a couple in his day. But I used to be the president of our local back then when we had a local in Redding, California, before we got merged to Sacramento, also. And uh, I saw that uh, I saw that Jack is uh, Jack is in, in around the uh, round table this evening. Jack in Shreveport. Hey, Jack. Um. Hey. Y'all. Hey. Uh, I was just thinking. Uh. You know, the businesses get to have all their unions with, like, the uh, Chambers of Commerce and all the, you know, like... Uh, Associated Builders. Yeah, yeah. Business uh, Roundtable. Business, the, the, like, um, industry, you know, whatever industry they're, you know, association. You know, they get to do all that. And, you know, so you got, you know, big money meeting, you know whole bunch of other uh you know people with big money or and they get to lobby with all that you know so yeah well it was designed to create an uneven playing field yeah. plain and simple and how by the way how bad is it how bad is it in uh shreveport oh it's um uh well can we kind of screwed up and uh for the first time ever our hot water like froze we oh no <laughs> so we got no hot water right now um but yeah it, it's like you know as cold as it's been in a long time and of course the uh independence bowl is well it probably just finished uh and uh, it played uh, this afternoon, and it was like the coldest ever. What's wrong with your hot water heater, bro? No, it just a uh, somewhere uh, in a pipe, something froze somewhere. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, the, well, that uh, should remedy itself. Yeah, uh, the Independence Bowl wrapped up. Yeah. Uh, Houston uh, seven and five beat the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, twenty-three to sixteen. Well, I figures, yeah. It was 16 to 16 when I looked, and then I I haven't, I didn't look after that. And then I guess uh, the uh, Gasparilla Bowl is kicking off, or just kicked off earlier. I saw I saw that name, like, uh, on the TV guide, but I didn't really, I don't even know what's going on with it, you know. But I was thinking Sasparilla. I, well, you know, there, there's there's one team that's not on the bowl list this year, my beloved Mountaineers. Oh. Uh, 
And some of these, some, you know, some of these bowl names now, the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. <laughs> I, I could thump my chest about the dogs, but I'm just going to sit here and not say anything. Well, I mean, they're the, they're the team to beat. There's no getting around it. <laughs> they could take the whole kahuna. You know, my heart is with TCU right now just because I love their quarterback. That kid plays with more heart than I've seen in a football player in a generation or more. He's amazing. And let's see, what do we get tomorrow? Um, we get the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders up against the uh, San, Diego, San Diego State Aztecs. That's the Hawaii Bowl. And that'll be you're watching the Hawaii Bowl. That'll be like a finger in the eye. Well, it's it's, it's kind of nice to watch the scenery and stuff, though. But, but yeah. <laughs> and New Mexico State Aggies in the Quick Lane Bowl against the Bowling Green Falcons of Ohio. That's Monday. The Coastal Carolina Chanticleers versus East Carolina. Uh, my poor Mountaineers. I thought they were doing that, you know, fairly well. I mean, I did. I just kind of glanced here and there. But... Uh, meanwhile, Lady Yulai B. You and I are in a bowl. You and I are in a bowl, Robin. I, I, I know. I don't know who they're playing. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah. it's crazy, right? Uh, Mississippi State. And that's going to be a really emotional game on Monday, January the 2nd. The Bulldogs of Mississippi State, who will be coached by someone besides Mike Leach because he died last week. Yeah, good point. You never hear me mention the Falcons, so keep the faith. Keep yeah. Keep the faith. Uh, the Fighting Illini are 8-4, and four, and so is Mississippi State. Should be a good game. Yeah, should be. The ReliaQuest Bowl is what that is. Uh, lady, I don't even know. Is that a mouthwasher? Lady, Lady B is positing uh, a, a new bowl name: the Cotex and Depends Bowl. We stop leaks. Period. <laughs> oh, Lady B. I find feminine hygiene product jokes a lot more funny these days. I've got one for a bowl, a bowl name, and, and it works perfectly because it's about bowls and keeping them clean, the Santa Flush Bowl. The Tidy Bowl? Yeah, or the Tidy Bowl. And we have to go all the way to, like, January the 2nd before we get a recognizable bowl name, Tulane versus USC in the Cotton Bowl, LSU versus uh, Purdue in the Citrus Bowl. Well, Okay. Uh, the Ohio State University against your Bulldogs. They're in the Peach Bowl. That'll be a good fight, but I think Georgia will take it. Uh, and then in, in, in Nash Vegas, um, I wonder what Billable's take is on his beloved Hawkeyes uh, against the U.K. Wildcats. 
two seven two seven and five teams. Yeah. Are they having a second bowl game in Las Vegas? Wouldn't surprise me. Rematch of the they already had the Las years. Vegas Bowl. Oregon State won that. Of course, New Year New Year's Eve, I'll be I'll be sitting down to watch uh, the Crimson Tide against K State. I, I hope I hope I hope Alabama doesn't show up and just oh fuck it, we're only playing in the Sugar Bowl, God damn it, and get stomped. Our pal Joy, like I said, is uh, of of divided loyalties because her alma mater TCU Horn Frogs are playing her beloved Wolverines of Michigan. And uh, I guess I'm going to wrap things up here because uh, um, it's gotten to the point where my feet are so frozen that they feel like they're burning. So I need Yikes. to go. Yeah, I need to go and get a uh, get a hot pad on them or something. Uh, hey, what's the temperature there, Robin? Well, I mean, it's it's it, uh, here. Let me call it up, and I don't want to just speak ex cathedra. Um, it's nine here. <laughs> nine whopping degrees. Uh, it's too below. <laughs> It's too below. Too below. <laughs> so I got ten. And right and the, the, the thermometer in the studio is up near the ceiling. And up near the ceiling where heat rises it's fifty four degrees. But down here on the floor, I'd be surprised if it's thirty two. Yeah, well get the hell out of there, man. Go go. Uh, it's it's hate it's hot, hateful. Hot yeah, oddly enough, boo. No, oddly enough, booze makes you colder. You think you're warmer because the booze, get, but it, it actually contributes to no. And see, Initially, it's yeah, not much warm. It's not much never, warmer in the bedroom you either. You never got another. You never got another electric floor mat like I got you or something. Yeah, no, that one lasted for years and years and years, and I never got around to getting another one. I need to get another one. Especially if it's, like especially the, especially if the winter is going to be like this. By the way, Matt in San Francisco let us know Gavin Newsom is 55 years old. He is the best looking 55 year old man I've ever seen. <laughs> Dang. Well, here's yeah, going to be 62 Tuesday. 62 Tuesday. What? Yeah. Yeah, ain't none of that happening here. Um, Nine degrees today, but 62 on Tuesday. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, let, let me let's see. Um, high tomorrow is 15, high Sunday 22, high Monday 30, high Tuesday 32. Wednesday we get to 47. Ooh, oh, heat wave. Uh, Thursday is 50, Thursday's 52, Friday's 56, Saturday's 56. Um, Sunday, New Year's Day, 60 uh, with a 50% chance of rain. <laughs> Shit, after nice this, it gets weather. to 60 degrees. I'll be outside in a freaking bikini. <laughs> Don't look, <Weather> Ethel! <laughs> weather weirding. It is indeed. Hey, thanks, everybody. We got, down to, we, we got down to 130 bucks. And God willing, the crick don't rise on the air come... Uh, on the air come Monday, and then I'll start on the horrifying water bill. You know, Robin, you brought this on yourself. Jeremy, you what? Bikini, wireless mics, and nipple clamps. Jesus. You promised that for years now. 
Oh. Jeremy. Jeremy. Uh, what happened to Robin's Corner? I mean, did that... Did that, did yeah, that got a little that? creepy. Well, yeah, okay. We had to disband yeah. it. God damn it, that was funny for a while, man. Yeah, until it got until it got scary and creepy, right. <laughs> right. It was funny till it wasn't. I get it. I just want to you. Yeah, no. Because <laughs> see, that's the problem. I got all these I got all these little voices that live in my head, and then I'd see these messages, and I, you know, and, and I hear the voices in my head even as I'm reading them silently. So no chance at a quick snippet tonight. Uh, no, it, it hasn't been it hasn't been particularly disgusting this week. All right, all right, well, I'm, I'm uh, still not over that. There's no there there. there. Well, that's good. That's good. I had a I had a I had, I had a nice I had a nice thing go on, and then um, um, a week ago today he ghosted me oh. and that head, what's his loss man <sighs> if, well, robin i'm still not do? over that that note that you read about the the get up stand-up character the guy the stand-up guy yeah that note oh god i was driving and i almost drove up the road when you read that one <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, about three weeks ago it was, it was so hysterical man it, Jesus, man. And uh, Lady B says, I never thought Robins would be a frosty bitch. Protect your headlights. They protrude. Oh, God. TMI, <laughs> Lady B, TMI. They protrude. What do you use, uh, duct tape or masking tape? <laughs> Freaking pencil erasers. Well, you know, uh, when, the weather gets that, when the weather gets that cold, you can cut diamonds with them. You know? Yeah. I don't run anymore. I'm afraid I'll put out an eye. <laughs> Ouch. Um, and Jude says, uh, a true family gathered tonight. Thank you, Jude. Thank you, dear. And I hope, I hope, you, I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. The very merriest of Christmas to you all. We'll be thinking of you. And the fact that we will be at least marginally warm, well, we'll think of you extra special lovingly because you're the reason, the only reason. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much for this Christmas Eve Eve broadcast. Here in another year, we may revive the uh, reading the Christmas story part of the part of the Christmas program as uh, the little ones get a little Robin, bigger. Are you back? Boxing Day, just program note. Yeah, I'll know. I'm, I'm here on the 26th. Yeah. Perfect. This All right, would looking be forward the, to uh, This would be the night before the night before Christmas edition of the porch. Yes. Oh, and you know what? Robin, I am going to stay. Before you go, before you go, how, how's the eggnog? Did you make it yet? No, I haven't made it yet, but I've got the ingredients. Oh, good, good, good. I got woozy just hearing the goddamn recipe. Oh, I know. And ingredients and stuff. <laughs> Are you going to use traditional egg and separate the whites? The yolks, oh yeah, I'm 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 doing it. I'm doing oh, it old man. school. No kidding. They yeah. recommend don't doing that anymore because you can get botulism. No, yeah, salmon, salmonella. But Brother Deacon Asa did the uh, oh, did the hard work on that. And what you do is you beat all the egg yolks, and then you add like a cup and a half of the booze for the recipe straight to the to the beaten egg yolks, and that kills everything. You're literally pouring antiseptic. You're literally pouring antiseptic into the eggs. 
I tried heating it up in the microwave, but my eggnog had like chunks in it. Yeah, so no, it oh no, that's gross. Oh, that's know, gross. Yeah. No, 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 don't. Don't. Uh, Nasty. <laughs> scrambled eggnog. Jesus, I think I'm gonna get sick. It was on the back of a Seagram Sevens label, and I was like, "Well, I don't want to get salmonella, so I'll just heat it up in the, in the microwave and stir it every thirty seconds." No, that's from scrambled the, From a food safety I mean, perspective, totally, I would not depend <laughs> on the booze uh, doing it. Now, having said that, if you buy eggs in the United States, they have all been washed before. They go to market, which is why in the United States all eggs have to be refrigerated. Whereas if you're in a European country, they don't refrigerate their eggs because they haven't been washed. And an unwashed egg is the one that is more likely to give you salmonella. So salmonella from U.S. eggs from a regular store, not your backyard chickens, but from a regular store, your chances of salmonella are exceedingly rare. And see, this is why you're the Horn Staff agronomist and food scientist. Thank you, Roger. When you uh, when you got to the part in the recipe about like separate two eggs, my mind immediately went to Curly Howard, you know, making a cake. Hey, yeah, separate yeah, two yeah. eggs, and then he moves them apart. Yeah, moves them apart, right? I always loved it when I always loved it when uh, Curly got upbraided for being greedy, when Mo said, "Look, I got the whites, Larry got the the, the yolk, but look at you, you got both shells." Yeah, and he proceeds to crunch on him. <laughs> I am going to do one thing on the way out. A little bit of a, a little, little bit of a tra tradition that I've done over the last few years. My favorite Christmas carol, and it is secular, and I love it, and I love the attitude in it. Um, I wish I wish the Tim mentioned could rewrite it to take Dawkins out of it because he uh, Richard Dawkins has turned out to be a uh, bigoted homophobic, transphobic, Islamophobic asshole. But apart from that, yeah. Uh, Tim mentioned White Wine in the Sun and then I'll do the goodbyes after. I always have a good cry when I listen to this one. I really like Christmas It's sentimental, I know But I just really like it I am hardly religious I'd rather break bread with Dawkins than Desmond Tutu to be honest And yes, I have all of the usual objections To consumerism To the commercialization of an ancient religion To the westernization of a dead Palestinian press Ganged into selling playstations and beer But I still really like it See ya.
is my gran and my mum. They'll be drinking white wine in the sun. I'll be seeing my dad, my brother and sisters, my gran and my mum. They'll be drinking white wine in the sun. Cause ideas are tenacious It means that they're worthy I get freaked out by churches Some of the hymns that they sing have nice chords But the lyrics are dodgy And yes, I have all of the usual objections To the miseducation of children Who in tax-exempt institutions Are taught to externalize blame And to feel ashamed And to judge things as plain right or wrong But I quite like the songs I'm not expecting big presents Socks, jocks and chocolates is just fine by me Cause I'll be seeing my dad My brother and sisters, my gran and my mum They'll be drinking white wine in the sun I'll be seeing my dad My brother and sisters, my gran and my mum Sisters and me and your mum will be waiting for you in the sun. Whenever you come, your brothers and sisters, your aunts and your uncles, your grandparents, cousins, and me. Smile.
white wine in the sun and I should mention that if in fact um, you go if, if you love that song as much as I do and you purchase it and I purchase it once a year because uh, during the months of November, December and January all proceeds from the sale of that song whether it's like Apple Music or wherever you buy singles um, all the proceeds from the song go to organizations that support children and or adults on the autism spectrum. And so this year, 2022, uh, that's ASPECT, uh, an an, um, autism spectrum support group uh, in Australia. And I love love that song. Um, When it gets to the part about the daughter, um, that's usually when the tears start flowing. Because, I, I, well, one, we've got a baby granddaughter in there. And two, I, my, my youngest, uh, I haven't seen her in over, uh, I think, five years. And I've never met my little grandson because they're out in New Mexico. And I can never get away from here. But I love, I, I love the whole song. And yeah, I'm a little choked up. Like I said, thanks everybody. Thank you so much for getting us so close to being fully funded up to this point. Thank you. Thanks to uh, our Patreon and PayPal subscribers. Thank you to our a la carte contributors. Thank you so much. Thank you to each and every one of you who shares your precious finite time engaging in this ongoing discussion in whatever manner you so choose. Thank you so kindly to our all-volunteer staff. Thanks to Sparky. Thanks to Roger. Thanks to Steve. Thanks to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa. Head on dot live. Remember, brand new Fresh Malloy on the way. 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 6 p.m. Pacific. The best place to listen to the first run of Malloy is, of course, head on dot live. No commercials. Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. The merriest of Christmases to you all. Thanks to the hardest working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. Twenty years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia and a proud union shop. Please stay safe. Get your booster. Get your flu shot. 
Wipe down your surfaces, help stop the spread of RSV. Wear your mask, it's mask time again. Wash your hands, don't touch your face. Use your hand sanitizer. Keep your social distance among strangers 15 to 20 feet, like Paul from Parts Unknown says. And uh, for heaven's sakes, if some jiggling adipose wad of orange tissue comes galumphing down the road towards you, babbling about babbling about how he wants 10,000 National Guardsmen to go with him to the Capitol. Well, avoid that head of all maggots, that mother of all maggots, like the plague. Because he is. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. I wish for you all the very merriest of holidays. The happiest of holidays. I hope you have people around you who love you. I hope you can... If you, if you can't, I hope, well, that you can cherish memories and know that there are people out there who care and who love you. And if you are a member of this community, our little family here are among those. So have a great weekend, everybody. And Merry Christmas. Later.